running on an all-new episode of the Talk and Audio Podcast. This is number 1044. Good time to throw down some Blink-182, as most of my co-hosts don't relate quite as well as I do to, uh, to to such a classic band. But Steve Bund is here, and I know he knows what's up when it comes to Blink-182. Oh, man, do I ever. I can't wait for you to get to... Like a what one thousand one hundred eighty two. So then you oh, can oh look at this guy full on Blink one eighty two show on just straight up episode one hundred eighty two. Ah, true, long time ago. <laughs> That's why, like I said, you can get to one thousand one hundred eighty two. Well, you're you're gonna do that, right? You'll be back in for episode uh, eleven hundred eighty two. Oh man, you know what? Let's plan that now. Yeah, exactly. and it, well in advance. <laughs> just let me know when we're all good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and you know what? We should probably pre-record that fairly early so it doesn't slip my mind at the time. And then it <laughs> you want to do this after this? Yeah. Maybe Maybe, show. maybe, um, <laughs> as soon as we're done here. Uh, we are coming to you from our studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada, on Twitter and Instagram, at Audio. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on uh, Apple Pods, Google Pods, Spotify, wherever you are. There's a follow button. There's a subscribe button. Go ahead and hit it. Uh, Bunda, how's it going, man? Been, uh, I don't know, about a month or so since you've been in. I guess it was right after your the end of the, uh, the Halloween movie marathon. So, yeah, a little over a month. What's happening, man? Man, when you bring that up, I'm trying to think. I'm like, I feel like I was in here two weeks ago. It has been more often lately. You've been tagging in. You've been taking multiple at-bats for us. We appreciate that. We were discussing in the green room before we came in here about how I don't even remember half the things that have happened this week, let alone. But no, man, I'm I'm good. I'm good. I didn't have to fight the big crowd today. It sounds like you didn't tell anybody I was coming on. So (laughs) they uh, kept away and they weren't going to boo and get mad that I was coming into your building to be on your show again. But I'm doing good, man. How you been? You know what? It's, it's good. It's a busy time of year. Um, you know, I've been, I've been wrapping some presents, which I'm, I'm not good at. I did have somebody tell me, I think it was my old man told me at one point, if you're using more than one piece of tape, you're doing it wrong. And I'm using like nine pieces of tape for a Boy, gift. So you're a couple steps ahead of me because I use duct tape. So. Yeah. Okay. And honestly, what I like are those, those gift bags, right? You just shove some oh. tissue paper in there with uh, whatever you got. It's, it's a little easier, but otherwise, man, things are good. Um, what are we drinking today? What'd you grab out of the old uh, TCA magic fridge? I went with a Canadian lager, Huckle Jack. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I saw it and I haven't tried it. It's a beer with huckleberry flavor. Yeah. Let me find out. Uh, a crisp balanced lager with an undertone of huckleberry, the fuel of choice for Canadian grizzly population. Look at that. Well, I've that, got a that's beard. That's what spoke out to you. You were yeah. grizzly, uh. Grizzly Jack. Grizzly population. Yeah. So this is our craft. I like it. So yeah, nice Huckle Jack. What was the brewery on that one? 
Um, did we have a, I don't, they're not making it easy on us. Dirt road touring. Okay. So All in right. Toronto. Yeah. So that's yeah. weird. Dirt roads in Toronto. It's been a while. Is uh, that, I don't think that exists. No, exactly. No. A lot of potholes, but not a lot of dirt roads. That's right. Uh, and nothing super special, but something that I'm excited to try. Yeah. But I think we all want to know what's going on with your advent calendar, Matt. Okay. This is day 14. And, um, I, you know, we spoke on the show on, uh, on Sunday, that was episode 1043. Mm. Uh, I didn't love a lot of what was in last week's, you know, selections, but we're back on track here, uh, this week. And this one is, uh, from the new, or at least newly named Lake Town Brewing Company, Good which is spot. in, uh, in Perth. I believe it used to be Weatherhead, right? Yep. So I'm not sure exactly what went down there in terms of the name change, but this is an 8.2% Doppelbach. Oh, baby. I don't, I don't really know what a Doppelbach is. It's called Base Layer. Uh, <laughs> at 8.2%, I absolutely could see it laying down a nice base for me here oh, before we, uh, we kick off the day or kick off the podcast. Uh, it's thick, it's brown, it's got kind of that, you know, that molasses to it. Very, very malt heavy. Um, and, and a little bit of a fruit smell to it. Not getting a ton of fruit flavor from it, but there's definitely a fruit odor to it kind of filling the studio right now. But yeah, first pull or two is pretty nice, man. Yeah, no. And this, uh, Huckle Jack is very tasty too. And lots of flavor on it. Um, the old, uh, weather ad, like you said, that was a great spot in Perth and now it's yeah. Lake Town, but. We, uh, we've discussed before in the past, I, I love a good stout, yeah. but it, it like, it, yeah, I don't know. It needs to be a certain kind, but Weatherhead had a coffee crisp stout. Yes, they did. And it was so good. Yes. It, it's like, it, it's probably my favorite stout I've ever had. Wow. And that was a couple of years ago I went down there. So great spots for some IPAs and, uh, have not been there to try Lake Town yet, but I do plan to try and get there and do. I may have to hitch a ride out there with you cause, uh, yeah, hearing nothing but good things and, uh. Uh, we'll, we'll find out together what the, uh, the cause of the name change was, or if it's an ownership change or, you know, what, what's going on there. But this one, uh, the Doppelbach is, uh, is pretty good so far off the hop here. Look, we got a bunch of places we can get to. We're going to talk a little bit about the fight game as we always do, but we're going to push that back a little while. I was wondering if you had a chance to, uh, if that, if that Carlos Correa contract with the San Francisco Giants came across your dashboard this morning. Did you see what he got? I did. I saw, well, I, I don't remember the numbers off the top of my 360 head. $360 million. Oh, show me the money. Over 13 years with the San Francisco Giant, uh, Giants uh, for Carlos Correa. Uh, that is a guy who about a year ago had $160 million over five years offered to him by the Astros. He said, that's not really what I'm looking for. So he goes and he gets $35 million for one year with the Minnesota Twins, opts out, heads to San Francisco. And yeah, so instead of that five years at $160 million from Houston, he ends up with a total of 14 years, $395 million. Highest contract ever for a shortstop. Fourth highest uh, contract or biggest contract ever handed out in general. Behind only Mookie Betts, Aaron Judge, and uh, Mike Trout, man, mm-hmm. just a monstrosity of a contract. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy because baseball, I find it's kind of taking a back seat in terms of excitement and viewership to a couple of the other big sports, maybe the last year or so. But these last few weeks, and I, I guess it's a, a lot of what has to do with uh, Aaron Judge's contract last week, yep. but 
these contracts that have come out in the last couple of days, like you said, Aaron Judge, I think he's what, $40 million a yep. season, nine years. He's already 30 years old, right? And he's going to be 31 by the time his contract happens. So that's uh, <laughs> that was the first one that uh, I was thinking about last week. But now Carlos Correa, does this mean the Giants are going to be cheaters now? Or Ooh, would, yeah, know? yeah, bringing a little of that with them. Yeah, I don't get to say too much because I got George Springer on my uh, on my Squad. roster. I know yeah, you're not a huge Jays guy, obviously, but... Uh, but man, the money's been wild, right? Yeah. Justin Verlander gets eighty-six million dollars right? over two years with, the, and he's forty now. Like, I, the money is off the charts. Uh, the Jays go out and sign Chris Bassett to a two-year deal. He's getting over twenty million dollars a year to probably be your number four, mm-hmm. right? Like, he's the money, especially for starting pitchers. I mean, across the board, it's huge right now in baseball, but for pitchers especially, it's insane. To th- uh, Ross Stripling just went out and got you know a huge new contract. To he was. Basically, the Jays four or five last year. I think he also ended up with the uh, the Giants. Now that I think about it, so they're spending like uh, spending like drunken sailors as well. But man, if you can throw the ball, somebody's going to give you twenty million dollars a year. It's absolutely yeah. not straight now. The money coming into baseball, nah, it's it's weird too because you look at um, what the Mets did there with bringing in Verlander. Yeah, but then. Uh, was it Scherzer? Who did they just sign as well? They signed Max up. Scherzer last year. Yeah. They bring back Brandon Nimmo in center field. But like, a huge number. They're, they're a squad that gave up the ability to sign DeGrom. Yeah. And then instead bring in two, you know, older pitchers yep. to rely on and give them heavy, heavy money <laughs> to rely on that pitching squad to try and get them to the postseason and, you know, have some success. Yeah. Right? Like it's just, you go back a couple of years ago and that was a team that, you know, go back to like Matt Harvey, Jacob DeGrom, like they had. Back when Noah Syndergaard was still a Yeah, Noah Syndergaard. <laughs> like they had so many of these big time pitchers and it's like, all right, well, you know what? The young guys didn't work and the, uh, like the flamethrowers didn't work. Let's bring in the old dudes that just win a lot. And you know, Scherzer's coming off world, or not Scherzer, um, Verlander's coming off yep. of the World Series win. So I get the hype there. And I think what uh, stood out to me the most about that was when uh, he was celebrating post game after winning the World Series, he's having an interview and right beside him is his young honey and Kate Upton. Kate, yeah. And they asked her, like, you know, do when do you want him to retire? Do you do you follow that? Do you care much? And she's like, you know what? I just love watching him play the game. I love how excited he is and how he's able to do this and how he's still able to dominate and have some fun and winning and how much it makes him happy. I love that. Yeah. Well, thanks, Giselle. <laughs> Signed, a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan watching Tom Brady implode. Somewhat less supportive, perhaps, of what Tom had going on with the the Buccaneers. For sure. It's not been a great season in Tampa so far. No, no. And just to get back to the baseball, because I went on that. But no, it's... um, it's a, it's a very, like I said, baseball, I feel like I've, I don't want to say I've lost my interest, but it's been something that had like, and maybe it has to do with the Red Sox not being as great, yeah. uh, this past season, but it's, it's, and I've been trying to, you know, get, I still watch the games as much, but it's just, I don't know, the hype hasn't been there, but I feel like this last week or so of signings and moves in free agency, is just like, everyone's talking about it. It's like, it's re, it's just, it's brought everything back up and it's like, wow, it's like this, it's a crazy off season. Aaron Judge's contract, Carlos Correa now, then yep. today. But, you know, you go back the last couple of days, all of these contracts, the money that gets shelled out, it's ridiculous to see how much. Well, it's the inventory too, right? You got 162 games to play. So it's a lot of games to oh, sell yeah. tickets. There's a lot of money in the system. It's a lot of the regional TV deals and everything. Um, but still, largely just in those big markets, right? You got teams that are trying to win and, and teams that aren't. Um, you know, it's nice to see that Toronto's moved into that upper group instead of the bottom one, but you know, 
it's it's been the Padres who have been busy again this summer. It's the Giants, it's the Dodgers, it's mm-hmm. the Yankees, it's usually the Red Sox. They've been weirdly quiet a little mm-hmm. bit. The Jays have moved uh, into this. It's the Mets, but you still have you know Minnesota, Cleveland, Tampa, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, like a lot of these teams that just aren't too. Although Philly's been busy again too. Uh, yeah, it's still kind of a have and a have not league, right? And that's mm-hmm. you know I, I guess that's the way they want it for now. I want to ask you. Two of the most hated bosses in sports slash sports entertainment, Vince McMahon and Gary Bettman. Which one do you want to talk about first? Because I got, I think, I think there's room to talk about both here. Oh, you know what? Uh, well, let's uh, let's go to Gary. Or you know what? Let's get Vince out of the way. Why don't we do that? Because I don't know how much time I want to spend on old Vincey. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, it comes out in the last day or two that. Uh, well, two pieces of news. One is that Vince has two more massive sexual harassment suits being filed against him. Uh, but he also announces or, or makes it known to some people that have made it known to the public. He plans to have a comeback. He's going to return to WWE and, and run things again. Now, there's no timeline uh, laid down for this. Um, but I don't think anybody who's followed the wrestling industry for even 20 minutes over the course of their lifetime believed that when Vince stepped away less than a year ago, that it was permanent, that we would never see him again. That's not the way the wrestling industry works. That's not the way he works. This was, I'm going to go away. I'm going to let the heat cool off a little bit, and then I'll be back. Now, WWE is a publicly traded company. We'll see if the board is as interested in having him come back, but he still is the majority shareholder uh, owner of the company. So, it will be tough to keep him away if he wants to come back. I know, you know, you follow wrestling on and off a little bit here, but do you think there's any chance at all we see Vince McMahon back in charge of this publicly traded company? Is One of the things that stands out is a lot of people were af- maybe afraid is overstating it, but didn't want him to leave because this company has never really existed without him, right? Vince is the kingpin of professional wrestling. And Vince so when Junior. he was going to leave... Right. His father ran a regional company, but it wasn't what it was, you know, or it wasn't what it is now. No. So there was a lot of trepidation amongst the stockholders that without Vince McMahon, this thing would go off a cliff. And we could argue all day from an on-screen perspective, whether or not it's better now than it used to be, but it hasn't gotten worse. There hasn't been a steady drop off in ratings since Vince left. There hasn't been an exodus of advertisers or stockholders or, you know, a massive drop in the stock price. It's all been largely fine as they've turned the page and, and Triple H is running the show there creatively. Um, so the fear that everybody had has largely been, you know, put to sleep, but that doesn't mean he's not going to want back in. Do you think there's any chance at all they let him back in charge of this company? Man, it doesn't sound like they'll have a choice, right? Because if he's a majority shareholder, uh-huh. he's probably going to have his way. It's kind of like the whole, and you can make the jokes because I think when I was watching wrestling back in the day, it was the the battle of Donald Trump and Vince, Vince McMahon. McMahon. That's right. And who do we hear is, oh, like this guy is impeached basically. Yeah. And yeah. you don't hear from him since he was, I guess, outvoted by... Uncle Joe Biden, and he, you know, he's just, oh, out of nowhere, he's, I'm coming back. I'm running again, whatever, I think it's next year, yep. two years from now, 2024. Trump McMahon, I, 2024, man. Yeah, it's That's like they're the coming ticket. back, and it's like, 
Oh man, I just started watching uh, a show. I think we talked about this before, but Succession. Yeah, yeah, it's like season, I just watched season one of that. But so you know, good. same thing where you've got uh, an older fella that's you know has uh, some health issues and, and obviously not to this extent of the serious allegations that are against Vince McMahon, yeah, yeah, but yeah. you know wants to come back. But he's also flirting with retirement and walking away from it, and then he just comes back because he hey. I can do that. I'm a majority shareholder. Yeah, literally (laughs) awesome quotes too from that show. But um, yeah, just it's such a weird position because I don't know anyone that would probably want him around. Right. And I'm sure the shareholders will have something to say about this. But at the end of the day, like, are they, what are they going to be able to do about it? And I know that, you know, Stephanie and Triple H, right? I believe that they're both running it and one's running the kind of creative wrestling side, the other's running kind of the business side. And yeah. yeah. So in that sense, I, I, you know, I hope that, you know, he's able to, you know, understand that one, these new allegations that I saw against them are pretty serious Yeah. and, you know, back off, Yeah. kind of go stay in your area and stay in your lane and don't come out. Right. Um, I'm also very curious to see, I believe that there is a, uh, net, uh, I don't know if it's Netflix or Dark Side of the Ring that is doing a documentary on him. I think there was life. just one last night uh, on Vice that was called The Nine Lives of Vince McMahon. <laughs> I didn't see it. I, I would like to. Um, okay. But you're right. There is another one. There's a Netflix, you know, uh, what do they call them? But like a- A docu-series, I yes, guess. Yeah, yeah. Basically. But like a dramatic- reenactment of, like, I don't think it's just a documentary. I think they're going to, it'd be like a movie. Oh man. I think, but this one was, yeah, strictly a doc. I don't know what station it was on, if at all in Canada, it will obviously get here if it hasn't been already. But yeah, I was on uh, vice in the U S uh, I haven't had a chance to see it, but it was apparently uh, pretty damning, uh, about yeah. some of it. Look, there's no way around the fact he's been an incredibly successful businessman. Doesn't necessarily mean you're a very good person. And so that's sort of the line that's being, as we're seeing all over the place. Yeah. Uh, with lots of people. So, uh, it's, it's tough because you get into a spot, like I said, where if you, uh, if you're a wrestler, right, do you really want to wrestle or be a part of the WWE when you know that this is the guy that, you know, has all these allegations yeah. and I, I haven't seen him absolutely deny that all of this stuff never happened. Well, half the reason he stepped aside was because it was all proven to be very true. There was, yeah. there was plenty of. Uh, you know, of a, of a paper trail that, um, the board was able to find and kind of go, you need to get out of here. And they painted it as him. He tweets out just one random Friday time to retire at 77 years old. And you're like, yeah, that's what's happening. You're retiring or have you been allowed to step out here and paint it that way? But you were told you're, you're done. So this is the way these things work as you know, we've kind of talked about, he is the majority shareholder. Um, we'll see whether that's enough you know, how many, you know, if the board members would be worried about now him coming back and what that might do to advertisers and, and partners and, and stuff like that. I think this is going to be sticky. Here I think the big thing bit. too would be a TV network as well, right? Like that's the thing. Like it's. You partnered you, with Fox, partnered with NBC Universal. These yeah, but would they not want to get out of there? Is that's what point. I mean. Yeah. You're like, going to, you're going to start putting yourself in a terrible spot and yep. you know, I could care less about that dude. Um, <laughs> I don't really watch wrestling these days. I don't, I couldn't tell you the product. I couldn't tell you a lot of the big name superstars, but I'd hope that it, it would be putting them in a very terrible spot, but you know, I'll, I'll throw John Cena's name out there because, yeah, yeah. you know, wrestlers today, you know, I think he's still kicking it around. He's around. Yeah. You'd hope he'd step up and kind of say something too, right? You need kind of some of your, 
your star, you know, yeah. stardom to kind of come up and, you know, the face of your, you know, is it, what's WWE league organization, promotion, promotion. like yeah. I, I, it just, you want, you want to see some kind of unity in a sense of like, you know what, we're not going to stand for the way you were yeah. and how you did this and, you know, things the way they were, you could be your shareholder, but as you said from succession, fuck off, <laughs> like just go home because I don't know. I don't have much time for Vince and, you know, hearing all of what happened and seeing and reading about it all doesn't sound very good or like the guy was a very good dude. And yes, he was a successful businessman and yep. so was Donald Trump, but yep. it doesn't make them good people. That's right. Uh, speaking of people, I'd like to see fuck off and go home. Let's move over to Gary Bettman, who <laughs> this week, <laughs> this, this week has hit his 30th anniversary in charge of the National Hockey League and- Look, it's, it's a bit of a mixed bag. I, I think most Canadian hockey fans are not really particularly fond of Gary Bettman. Uh, there is no way around the fact that he has absolutely been at the helm while this thing exploded its finances, right? Uh, in terms of the number of teams now involved, the number of TV networks now involved, mm-hmm. sponsorship deals, all these sorts of things. There's also a counter argument to be made that whoever was in charge of the league, was going to guide this through the exact same thing because that's just the way the world of sports has gone in the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I, if we're being fair, he is a guy who both oversaw Quebec and Winnipeg leaving for Colorado and Phoenix respectively, but also protected the Edmonton Oilers and Ottawa Senators and stopped them from leaving this country and found them new ownership groups here. Uh, he's a guy who has taken the finances of this league from like less than a billion dollars to like $7 billion a mm-hmm. year. He's a guy who is what, how, how many lockouts have we had? There was 94, there was 04, there was 2013. Um, this is a guy who has just a pile of baggage, good and bad, um, you know, that he's accumulated over 30 years in charge. And I think in general, 30 years is too long for any one person or one mm-hmm. group to be in charge. There needs to be change, all of these sorts of things. And we can get into some of that. But when you think of 30 years of Gary Bettman's National Hockey League, what's his legacy going to be when he eventually does decide to step away? It's unfortunate because like you said, there's a lot of good and bad. And, you know, some of the better things he's done, you know, was bringing, you know, the Winnipeg Jets back. Yep. You know, that's, that is a big thing. And one of the good things you've seen him do, you know, as much as, like you said, he, he trotted out a couple teams to Colorado and, you know, eventually Phoenix, but yep. he, uh, you know, he is very good at keeping teams where they are. You know, the good and the bad, the Ottawa Senators. The bad, well, the Arizona Coyotes, yeah. he, he, you know, they're in the middle of trying to have a I don't know why he's bid. decided to hang his hat on that. Yeah. Like, he won't let that die, even though. Arizona has told him repeatedly, we don't care about your league. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, it's ridiculous and how, you know, it's pretty much, uh, we don't really know the future of that organization there, but it sounds like they're going to be voting and trying to keep it there and building a new stadium. Failing right now to sell out their 5,000 seat arena. Yeah. The Arizona (laughs) Sun Devil, Arizona State Sun Devils, like it's just ridiculous and seeing, seeing players weigh in on their, uh, like their change rooms and how much of a joke it is. It is a joke. It is in, in general and how it's in a spot now where I don't know how you really save that franchise other than winning the draft lottery, getting a Connor Bedard. Yep. I know you're going to probably kick me out after I say this, but it is stealing an Austin Matthews away from the Toronto Maple Leafs and trying to build a squad there. 
other than that, you know, they're they're a team that I don't know how it, it gets saved because it kind of just feels like they're almost like an AHL team in the NHL that just trades away their good players once they go through. You look at right now, and Jacob Chikrin's a guy that's you know yeah. their young star defenseman. And I, I get it, he's probably not a superstar, but he's a solid top four defenseman For in the sure. NHL, yes. and he plays the game well, and he's strong on the puck. And it's like, all right, well, this guy wants out. All right, okay, well, who are you trying to build around? What right. are you trying to do? And so, like I said, as much as you know, he's he's done a good job of keeping teams where they are. I think that's one for sure that probably needs to get moved or figured out. And well, I get you can bring up the hockey in the desert isn't going to work. And then you all, you point kind of. Works in Vegas. Yeah. You point kind of upstate a bit and well, it's and like, what's like, going on? As much things as I, as much as I hate how condescending and, and some of the things Batman has done, when you look at what he, like half the reason was to get a real US TV deal that would make any kind of money. You couldn't just be in Detroit, Pittsburgh, Philly, Minnesota, right? You had yeah. to have a footprint across the league. And overwhelmingly, it's been successful, right? The Ducks have won a cup. Mm-hmm. The Sharks were great for a long time and uh, and constantly sold out their building. The Lightning have been an incredible success. Nashville is a success. Carolina is a su- I'm getting tripping over my own tongue here. It's this 8% uh, Doppelbach. Oh, it's getting to you. Yeah. Um, Carolina has been a success. Like there are lots of things that he's done where you go, I wouldn't have thought that would work, but it's worked. And for some reason, he's just clinging to the one that hasn't. He's looking at uh, Arizona going, I'm not going to let this fail, but it's (laughs) failing horribly and repeatedly. I, I don't understand why he feels the need to hang his hat on that other than it being the fourth biggest TV market in the US and you want that you know, you want ratings out of that market, but you're just not getting them. No. But, but rather than getting hung up on just Arizona, I, you know, there are the, I had forgotten, yeah, that they, he, he did oversee Winnipeg leaving, but he also oversaw Winnipeg getting their team back. Mm-hmm. Edmonton and Ottawa have Gary Bettman to thank for finding them new ownership, uh, back in the early part of the, you know, early two thousands. Look, there's good and bad that he's done. I, I just, I find him a thoroughly unlikable person, right? The, all of his press conferences, he's looking down that long nose at you and yeah. and telling you why your questions are terrible. And uh. Yeah. I, I, for me too, like there's a couple more things that, you know, I think the, I'll save it for last, but the big thing that he'll always be remembered for, I think we both know is the, the lockout. But the big, the, the other really good thing I think he's done was getting ESPN and TNT back yep. involved last year. Yep. Or was it this year? I can't remember when it was. <laughs> that started last year. It was last year. Yeah. It was last year. But getting back on that network to grow the game in the United States, because you're still like, I remember going to Florida a couple of years ago and there was a guy that I was at Applebee's waiting for a golf round with my buddy. And he's like, oh, you guys know hockey. You're from Canada. And he's like, you know about the blue line. And you know, I used to be a season ticket holder for the Atlanta Thrashers. And it's funny because wow. it's like. One, that's a while back, yeah. one. But two, it's like, you know about the blue line. It's like, what are you talking about? But <laughs> there's so many great, you know, American star players coming up right now through the system. And, you know, Austin Matthews, Trevor Zegris, and all these young guys you want to kind of build up. And I, you know, nothing against NBC. Jason Robertson on fire. Yeah, Jason Robertson. I, I can't believe I even forgot him. <laughs> but you go through the, you know, list right now, and it isn't just the Canadian and European dominated league anymore. You know, Americans love yep. their NFL. They love their basketball, baseball. But- it was like hockey is kind of just like even behind college football and college basketball. Like it's kind of just sitting there. It's like, all right, but you need to kind of give them more exposure. And the fact that they were able to put together ESPN TNT deal, NBC Sports Network just wasn't doing it. But it was, 
also bringing in some big name guys and, you know, Paul Bizonet and here comes Wayne Gretzky out of pretty much retirement and non-existence yeah. to come back. Mark Messier. Yeah, Mark Messier. You've got uh, now PK Subban they're bringing yeah. in now. It's like they're bringing in personalities and that's one thing. The TV deal that he just did, I think is super big for them because as big as the NHL is right now and how much it's worth, you know, five to 10 years from now, we're going to see a lot more hockey and I think that's good and it's good for the sport. So I, I'll give them the credit on seeing that deal through and making that deal, but that O four lockout uh, that you referenced, man, and it, it depends on who you are, how you view that, right? Mm-hmm. If you're an owner, that 2004 2005 full season lockout broke the back of the players and got you your hard salary cap, mm-hmm. and that's made this league competitive in a lot of places. Um, you know, coming out the first year. After that lockout, you have a Stanley Cup final of Carolina versus Edmonton. These are two smaller market teams that are suddenly, holy shit, right there. They're right there in the Cup final. 07, you see um, the Ducks win. 08, it's it's back to Detroit, which was always one of your big dogs even before the... Mm -hmm. But you've seen some of these other organizations that were having a hard time competing now being able to. So he, he deserves credit for that if you're a team owner or if you're one of those small market teams. If you're like myself, a fan of a big market team, the cap is dog shit, right? It, it is limited what you're able to do. And you could easily do an NBA style luxury tax where, yeah, if the Toronto Maple Leafs spend $10 million over the cap, that's suddenly getting poured into the pockets of the Arizona Coyotes, right? Mm-hmm. And... Like that's how a luxury tax is supposed to work, but they don't want any part of that. They want the hard cap and it's, it's limited, you know, the trade deadline used to be so much fun. Now the trade deadline is usually sixth defenseman being traded for fifth round picks, right? There's no room (laughs) under the cap to do anything of note. And so that has kind of suffered the NBA. One of the coolest things about the NBA is all the player movement, right? They sign short-term contracts. They bounce around the trade deadlines kind of wild. And all of that is uh, is allowed to occur because of a more soft cap, a luxury mm-hmm. tax, these sorts of things. And so I think, I guess it depends who you are on how you feel about the fact that he he had that full season lockout, but it, it ended with a hard salary cap. The owners at that point love Gary Bettman. Fans, probably depends what market you're in. But the owners who are his bosses, that he's a saint in their books from, from that point on. Yeah. No, and... Like you said, you kind of he made it a level playing field for a lot of those teams that you'd never expect to be major markets, right? You go through the the Lightning being such a dominant team over the last what you know yeah. five years or so, six years, you know, because they you know before they won their back to back cups, they were still top team in the NHL. That's right. Yeah, and you know it was the year that I think they got like swept by Columbus, and it's like they were the best team in the league. They broke all these records, and yep. it's like then they're swept by Columbus in the first round of the playoffs, and it's like. Okay, but you know they've done a lot, and it's you go through the a lot Panthers of these. Panthers have rebounded. Yeah, uh, the Panthers are now. It's funny because you think you know Florida. You got three. You know teams in Florida, teams in Tampa. You go around like you got a team in Vegas, somewhat of a team in Arizona, I guess. But it's just now a team in Seattle. Yeah, a team in Seattle. Like he's done. You know, expansion's been big for him, but the lockouts are never going to. He's never going to be able to shake. And I think that's the big thing is the way he handled these lockouts and. The arrogance, like you said, that came with it. Uh, the negotiations that never were pretty. To me, uh, those lockouts say to me that he's a bad negotiator. The only thing he's mm. capable of doing is just 
nope, 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 and locking you out until you decide to to crumble or, or to cave. And it didn't work the first time, which was in 94, 95. And the, his owners crumbled first and said, no, we got to get back on the ice. Mm-hmm. In 04, 05, they held out for a season and ended up getting their cap. In 2013, that was just about money. That was not about a cap. Players were still getting 55% of the revenue. He wanted them to only get 50 and again, held out just to lock it. It's a guy who's not capable of negotiating to get a deal. It's a guy who has to just shut everything down to get what he wants. And business-wise, for his owners, they'd be fine with that, I guess. But for fans, at some point, like, we're just waiting for the next one. Like, at, at this point... <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> it's coming, man. That's his own, gonna... That's his MO. That's, oh. the, that's his only tool that he negotiates with. And that, to me, that sucks. One of the things I wanted to ask you about is... Is is this just a guy like myself? Am I just a guy who grew up in the GTA feeling kind of arrogant here? Or is it ridiculous that there are not two teams in the Toronto area at this point? And as you mull that over, I should present to the good listener, there are three teams in the greater New York area. There are two teams in the greater Los Angeles area. There are two teams in Florida. And we're sitting here saying that the GTA Southern Ontario can't support a second team to me that is another one of those things as we look through his legacy that is a failure that he has not put another team in Ontario sorry I'm too busy now actually seeing all of the Tolkien audio fans come after you oh they're running and surrounding the building now Matt good luck getting out of here for a while talking about another lockout coming up no it's it's tough because I see both sides of it I understand why there should and shouldn't be another team in that GTA area but the big thing being I'm just not sure if you want that. You look at your most valuable franchise in the NHL, it's the Maple Leafs. You look yep. at, you know, the most probably popular team, it's the, the Leafs and the Habs. Yep. You look at a lot of what Toronto does and how big the market is and how, you know, TSN, it's, you know, everyone jokes that, you know, it's the sports network, but really it's the Toronto Maple Leafs sports network <laughs> because every time you turn on like SportsCenter, the first team that they talk about is usually the Leafs. God you love know, them. Yeah. It's, it's Mitch Marner, this, it's, it's Austin Matthews, that it's, you look at the one V ones, everything it's, there's a Leaf player ever involved that's, he's going to be put to the rafters and retire as, you know, that, that guy, it's, it's, it's a spot where. If you bring another team there, I'm wondering if there's a hesitation because you don't want to take away from the Toronto Maple Leafs team that hasn't had a lot of success in the last couple of years. To me, that's, that's the reason you do it is you could hook all these kids that think dad likes the Leafs. The Leafs are losers. I'll be a fan of whatever the Toronto Toros or the Toronto Huskies or whatever you want to do. Right. Sure. And, And maybe it becomes even if you get out of downtown, like if I'm the Leafs, I insist that that team, much like the Lakers and Clippers, both play in one building because I'm gonna, as the Leafs, I can get you paying rent and and all the ticket fare. But you could have another group build, kind of I don't know around the 407 and the 400 was one area that was talked about, right? You could get out west closer yep. to Hamilton, do something there that would be more of a suburban. Te- I I just. I think there's money on the table. That building is sold out every night. People can't get in there. Um, I think you, if look, if you can have two teams in greater Los Angeles, you can have two teams in greater Toronto. Yeah. But I feel like it's different because it's not a pure hockey market. Like even you bring up the the New York Rangers and the Islanders and devils, the devils in that sense, you know, and they're all very, very close. Yeah. Uh, But at the same time, it's like, I don't find those as pure hockey 
you know, areas where you go to Toronto and like every second person, if not every person is wearing Leafs gear. Yeah. So it's like, do you really want to take away from that or take away from generation? It's, I, I I do, I I understand what you're saying and and it's a tough spot, but then you're looking at another spot where, what are you going to do? Are you going to have a 33 team league or are you going to move a team? So that's, yeah. a, you know, you're going to yeah, take the no, Arizona Coyotes and then move it over. But he's been in charge since 90, uh, 93, so. Yeah, I, it, it's so tough, man. It's, like I said, I see both sides of it. And right now I'm just kind of playing the contrarian to you because yeah, yeah. I can argue on both sides too, where there's absolutely money there. But I, I lean towards the no, because I feel like you don't want to mess with the storied franchise area. You know, it's just it, with the, the, the Toronto area being the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like I grew up a diehard Leaf fan too, Maddie. Like, yep. and it's, it's. It's uh, it's tough to see them not having a lot. Like you don't want a Leaf fans jumping ship to be like, you know what? I'm going to this new team. Look at Vegas, right? If you ha- don't you, you think that already happened? Because like I, I don't, I, 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 I honestly, man, I, I, I had, uh, I had, my dad had tickets to a lot of Leaf games, kind mm. of at the turn of the decade, right? 2008, 2009, 2010, 11, 12, kind of that area, and. That was a time when the internet's exploding, YouTube is exploding, NHL center ice is a thing, you can watch whatever team you want, and the Leafs were just terrible, just terrible, and had been for several years. And you saw kids that would go, I'm not watching the Leafs, I'm watching Crosby, I'm watching Ovechkin, I'm watching Mm -hmm. whoever was hot at the time, right? The Blackhawks became a huge uh, fan favorite team, and you would see that when you would go to Leaf games, if they were playing the Pens... There would be a lot, like it was commonplace when you would go to a Leaf game, you'd see a lot of Habs jerseys, right? You'd see those sorts of Rangers jerseys, but it became more and more, oh shit, there's a bunch of Penguins jerseys here, right? Like Mm -hmm. kids that were just growing up being able to watch these better players because the Leafs sucked. And I think if you dropped another team in there, you, you give Toronto hockey fans who are sick of the Leafs losing all the time, hi, I'm one of them, uh, an, (laughs) an option to go... I'm going to check out the Toros tonight. I'm going to see what they're doing, right? I Yeah. I would remain, me personally, a hardcore Leaf fan. But if there was a West End of Toronto uh, NHL franchise, I think you, you know, Brampton, Mississauga are just overflowing, right, with people now, right? Those The, the city at the West End has exploded. You could put another franchise out there and give those people an option. And kids would grow up with the choice. The, it's no different than the Sens, right? It took the Senators forever. All the hockey fans who lived here already had decided I'm a Leaf fan or I'm a Habs fan. It wasn't until those people's kids grew up with the Sens in schools and and things like that. And those people are the ones who became the hardcore Senators fans. Yeah. I I look at, you know, our generation, we're relatively close in age, but being born in 91, growing up, right? Sens were around in 92. It's, it's starting to take it to a point where. All those people are old enough now to be able to afford yeah. season tickets or suites. Or, go to games, want yep. to be a little bit more interested, have yep. you know more money to spend and go on your own. And and that's a situation where if I look at it, I think I would have rather they did that in the past than they do now. I'd rather see them put another team in Canada somewhere else if I had to pick over another mm-hmm. team in Toronto. If you ask me, yeah. give me the Quebec City, give me Ooh, yeah, Saskatchewan, right. give me an out East team. I, you know, I, and I know there's a lot of more logistics and, and stuff that has to go on and it's so easy to go to Toronto because the money's sitting there. But, you know, I, I feel like expansion should be more about growing the game. I don't think you're growing the game in Toronto. I, you know. But I, if I, if the money wise all the way there. back around to Gary Bettman's legacy as a commissioner, yeah. he's supposed to make money. 
He Toronto is. is where the money is. He is, and he's he's There's also money. though supposed to grow the game, and that's where it's that's yeah. where like he's. You look at a lot of the expansion that he's done, right, with the Tampa's, the yeah. Nashville's, like you said. We brought up Vegas, Seattle. Yeah. Like he's starting to expand that sense of it. Yep. I don't. I don't know. If that's the one, like I get, he wants to make money and, and all that. It's very tough, man. Like it is tough. Like I, like I said, I, I, I'd love it in a sense of, you know, I'll just to jump back onto your side and, and, and agree with you. There are a lot of aspects I love about it. Cause I, I just, I hate being so negative on the situation <laughs> of it, but how awesome would it be to have, you know, I know there's a battle of Ontario and there's the Habs rivalry and whatnot. And you could bring in the Bruins because of all the damn playoff success they've yeah. had over them last couple of years, but we're going to not talk about that. <laughs> Uh, how awesome would it be to have, you know, the Toros versus the Leafs to sure. kind of like have that, like. Battle of the 401. Like yeah, huge. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll get Jets and, uh, you know, Jets when they play the Giants. Like that's a, it's a story yep. thing. You look yep. at, you know, college football when you have Auburn, Alabama, the Iron Bowl, right? It's such a, it's so big. Well, that to California have. road trip that yeah. the Sens, the Leafs, the Habs, everybody had to go on, what, six Eight years ago, when mm-hmm. going through Cal- uh, Los Angeles, Anaheim, and San Jose was just murderer's row yeah. of great teams. Um, the Hamburglar run for the Ottawa Senators that, that nobody would, like, they, they were down and out. And but, hey, that, but that California thing, that became a rivalry amongst those three teams, right? Imagine yeah. if the Sens get on the upswing, we have another team just west of Toronto or north of Toronto, sure. whatever you want. Yeah. Man, it would become... I just think that's money left on the table, and I, yeah. I I do think we need to keep the the discussion centered on Gary here as 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 what we're doing, and uh, <laughs> I look like back at his. I love this conversation though because, like I said, I could argue both sides. Yeah, of it. I, I feel you for sure. Do you, do you when you look at at Gary Bettman's tenure, thirty years in the National Hockey League as commissioner, has it been, has he been a successful commissioner? Yeah. <laughs> As much as everybody probably would want to say no, I think it's hard to argue. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, he, I think we, he probably has. We just went over his resume in terms of what he's done and how Growth. he's grown the league. Yeah. You know, you look at what they're doing globally too with some games, playing games in Sweden, yep. playing games, you know, everywhere right well, now. Well, he was also in charge of getting the NHL into the Olympics, right? 98, yeah. 02, 06, 2010, 2014. Uh, Those are huge, huge moments, right? We think of 2002 and 2010 here in Canada as gold medal, mo- and 2014 in Sochi was great. 2014 is such a. <laughs> it was just <laughs> tell me what you remember from 2014. It's like, such, yeah. and all you remember is how boring the games were because Canada just beat everybody like two That's nothing right. or three yeah. nothing, and but Babs had his little system, and <laughs> but in '98, Czech Republic yeah. versus Russia in a gold medal game. That over here, that's a bummer. But in Europe, that was huge, right? That's Dominic Hasek doing his thing and shutting down the big bad Russians, and and that was huge. In 2006, the gold medal game, that's in Italy. Mm-hmm. I know Europe's a big place, but it's not that big. It's Sweden versus Finland. It's close to the same time zones. You had Swedish and Finnish fans coming in to watch that. That is a massive Olympic gold medal game where Sundin and Forsberg and Alfredson and Lidstrom and these guys grab a gold medal. Mm-hmm. Worldwide... That exposure is huge, even in the years that Canada, USA aren't the centerpiece, right? So he deserves credit for that as well. He's also responsible for them not being there in 2018. So everything has, I was gonna it's, say. it's good and it's bad, right? So, um, and 2022, right? Yep. So. And the world cup, we did it in 96. We did it eight years later in 04. Mm-hmm. We did it 12 years later in 16, I guess, like. That has been a f- dismal failure in terms of making it a regular thing. And especially after 2016, when he said, you know, now it's back, it'll be regular. And we haven't seen one since, uh, 
So it's a complicated legacy, but from a business sense, if that's what you're worried about, growing the league, growing the money, I, it's hard to argue that that he's done a good job, right? Mm-hmm. I, I find him thoroughly unlikable, but I'm sure the owners and the business people around the league would be able to tell you very clearly he's been a very successful commissioner. Yeah. It's a spot where I feel like in what league do we not boo a commissioner first off? So it's okay for that. I feel like he's the best because he has the most arrogance. When you look at Roger Goodell, Roger Goodell is like a cheesy wannabe kind of cool, but embraces the booze. (laughs) Like Gary Bettman is a guy that's, yeah, you're going to want to hear this. Like, you know, (laughs) he's always had those silly sound bites. And like I said, his arrogance comes off as frustrating. The lockouts are always going to be the thing that I think everybody talks about, but you have to look at what he's done and, you know, as much as everybody you know hates the hard salary cap, it brought a level playing field for out of market teams, yep. and that's a big thing. It grew the game. He's expanded the game so much. It's hard to disagree with how he, much he's done, and you cannot like him. Uh, you can you know want to get mad at him. You can look at what he hasn't done, but I feel like you could look at every single commissioner, and they're never all they're never going to be perfect. No. You're never going to have a commissioner or a general manager win every single trade or. A team, you know, always win and, and you sign every free agent that works out. It's not always perfect. So I'll look at Gary as, uh, what's the word to put for him? He's kind of just there. Thumbs in the middle? <laughs> yeah, he's kind of just there for me because I don't hate him. I don't love him. He's done a lot, but he also makes me grumpy. Yeah. So it's kind of a, <laughs> you know what, Gary, right on, man. That's kind of a, if I ever saw him, I'd just shake his hand. I don't know if I'd have to talk to him a bit more. I've seen him a couple times around... Uh, he was here at Parliament Hill for the Ottawa Senators game, yeah. the outdoor classic, and yeah. the one on Parliament Hill with the uh, the Sens alumni. It was really cool to be a part of that, but just seeing him there for for that situation, and you know, there's a lot that's happened well, over the last and couple. This years. is it. Like Ottawa is one of those markets that shouldn't boo him. He helped keep them here. Yeah, but I feel like people that boo him just boo him to boo him. I I, I, I think that I, that's I, a, that's exactly my point, man. They I don't think really know why to, they're booing him. They're just booing him because when, the person next to him is, and they might have more grievances or grudges against them than I. I remember in that Stanley Cup final when Vegas is in their for the first like it's their first year in the league, and they've made it all the way to the Cup final, and Vegas boos Gary Bettman like, dude, just gave you a team. That team went to the cup final. What are you <laughs> booing about other than that you saw it on TV? I, I think it's because Carrot Top was there. I just think they were booing Carrot him. <laughs> uh, and that's legit. You should boo Carrot Top. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I understand <laughs> why there are Angel, certain markets right? <laughs> who, who boo Gary. I think too much of it is just caught on. And, and now he's just playing a character. He, he leans into it. He's like, now I know you're a true hockey market. Mm-hmm. Uh, just... Meanwhile, Seattle's like, what's going on? What happened yeah. to our success? And he's, and he's just so awkward, like everything about him. I, I And, you know, we just had this, you know, his, his address the other day on, uh, I guess it was Tuesday afternoon after the Board of Governors meeting, you know, he's got nothing to add about the World Junior investigation that they said they were largely done with, but apparently they're still not willing to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um I, I, why don't we talk quickly before, you know, as we move off Gary, before we move into some of the fight stuff on the sends here, uh, they said at that press conference that there were upwards of 12 groups who had signed non-disclosure agreements and laid down, uh, deposits that allowed them to get in and look at the books for the Ottawa senators, groups that are interested in purchasing the team. 
And we saw, what was it, two weeks ago now that Bettman and Daly had met with Ryan Reynolds. We've talked about that on the podcast that he's, you know, interested in being part of the ownership group. And I think that's great for the league. I think you want big name celebrities to be around it. But I think it was two weeks ago they said, you know, any ownership group that's going to buy the team has been told you have to allow Ryan Reynolds into your group. And to me, nothing has ever screamed more clearly that Gary Bettman has never been invited to the cool kids party than having one cool kid say, Mm -hmm. I think you're kind of fun. And then have Gary go, yay. If, if Ryan Reynolds is part of one of these groups, I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I think the publicity is great. I think it's cool that he wants to be a part of this. But to tell all of these groups, hey, if you're buying in Ryan Reynolds' part of your group, just screams this desperation for like acceptance from the cool kids table. It, it, it's it's a little weird, man. Uh, I look at it in two ways. Yes, a, a bit. But like I also, I think I read too that it's like he doesn't have the power to say you have to sell to this guy. But I'm pretty sure that any ownership group really wants Ryan Reynolds a part of it too. But it's I, like this whole separate thing, right? Like they're yeah. going to have their own bidding and then add him at the mm-hmm. end. Mm-hmm. Like he's not part of one group. No, and, and I think that's mainly due to the fact, like if he had all the finances in the world to just buy the team on his own. Sure. I'm sure he would. He said he wants he, his sugar daddy. Yeah, exactly. led to Gary Bettman using the phrase sugar daddy, which was so uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gary, what are you doing? <laughs> but uh, no, and, and it's good because you look at the situation where for Gary and the in the league, for the Ottawa Senators, you want Ryan Reynolds part of, of your league. I yeah, think that yeah. it's, a, it's a slam dunk. You look what's happening with his soccer team that he bought. I don't know the name of the soccer it's team. Wexham or something. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, over the weekend, he's taking pictures with the royal family. That's, yeah, that yeah, was, that was weird. I mean, it's like he has such a pull. You look yeah. at a couple of weeks ago and oh, a huge Will Ferrell celebrity. has the Ottawa Senators name in his mouth. Yeah. Like how much yep. he's over. Like I get it. Like uh, Jimmy it, Kimmel, like it's or you know, late night show. Yeah, he's on with Fallon. Saying yeah, he Fallon. Wants to, it's uh, everyone. I get talking it. About I, it. I understand why it's cool to have a list celebrities talking about the Ottawa Senators. I just think it's a little much for Gary to now be suggesting to all of these groups that, like, hey, and top on top of your bid, you better consider that we want Ryan Reynolds to be part of this. And I. If I was the Senators, I would want Ryan Reynolds to be part of this too, but it, it would make so much more sense if he was just part of one of these groups making the bid as instead of being something shoved down everybody's throat later, right? Like, I, Yeah, and I'm sure that probably was the original plan, and I and I don't know what happened behind closed doors. I, I, something tells me, though, Gary's like, well, rather than getting your own consortium, let's let a couple, like, let's see what happens over the next couple yeah. of weeks and how many bids we get and who. I'm pretty sure they didn't, didn't expect to have – I think 12, 12, but I heard groups, that there yeah. was upwards of 20. Yeah, yeah. So you look at 12 that, who have currently signed, but yeah, upwards of 20 interested. And you look at all of them and a lot of them, nobody's probably ever heard. No. Of. These are rich people. that old white bankers. Yeah. Usually. Just real estate developers. Yeah. And you don't really know or hear anything about it, but this Ottawa Senators team and you hear that Ryan Reynolds wants to get part of it. It's like, I could see Gary being like, look. We're going to make you part of any ownership. Don't go get your own consortium, but let's wait and see what happens here. And then you can throw in a token. Now we have, yeah, like you said, you, you get upwards of 20. They probably cut out a couple that like, you know what, go away. We have a couple here now. Then now I'm sure there's still the process that they're going to look over and they're going to see all the financing and how things go. And it's like, all right, 
Ryan, which, like, how are we going to make this work? And I get it. Like, the one thing you want to do, it's not just good for the Ottawa Senators. This is going to be good for the league. It is. Like, that's the thing. Like, Ryan Reynolds talking about the Ottawa Senators. He's well, like, recognized. Like, him talking about Vanier and his time in Ottawa all the time. Yep. It's huge. It's huge. And it's so big for the league if they could have, like, the... But it just feels like this is the first cool person Gary's ever met. <laughs> like, <laughs> sure, but I'm not going to hate him. I'll hate on him as much for that. Like, I, I get it. Like, part of me thinks it is it is a smell of desperation. A little bit. A um, little bit. But I don't look at it as it's, like, a thing for the Ottawa Senators. Sure, I do. Like, it, it makes... It's, you know, for the Sens, but it's for the league, I think, too. And you're trying to give a little bit more notoriety to your, your So you think Gary's team. decided rather than have him join one of these bidding groups and possibly lose... You'd rather have him kind of stand back. Let's see who's going to ultimately be the winner. And he can then just kind of buy into that group and be yeah. guaranteed a part of this because he, it's, it's better off for the league that way. I think so too. Yeah. And, and I just yeah. feel like maybe he was in a spot where there's a lot that goes on, right? You hear former players' names, you hear a bunch of names well, come up. would be the biggest one, right? Yeah. We've heard him tied to one or two groups around here too. And they don't, I, you don't want him missing out either. You want Alfie to be a part of this. For sure. And, and I can guarantee you ask any ownership group, hey, would you be okay with Ryan Reynolds being part of it? And they're going to say, yeah, you know what? I'm pretty down because you look at the effect he has on the world yeah. and the pandemic and what he's done during the pandemic for Canada, but Ottawa, everywhere. It's like. This guy's well known. You look at the soccer club, the TV shows that they have done, like having that done here. You look at him just going to a game yeah, and how big that was and how crazy it was and how everybody's talking about him and how he's talking about the senators. Like I said, Will Farrell's talking. It's it's so good for the yeah. NHL. It's not just an Ottawa Senators thing. It's good for the league to have a guy like him who's an A-list celebrity actor. He's been so talented. He's so good. He's so funny. But, you know, he's one of those guys where I don't know if there's any – real dirt on him, but right. like, there's not a lot of negativity no, to what he right. does. And right. I think that's such a big thing for the league to have a face like this. He's not just going to be a face of the auto centers. He's going to be a huge face of the league. And I get the, Hey, look, you know, you look that at that guy walking into your board of governors meeting. You, you look at Magic Johnson with the Dodgers, right? It, yeah. It, 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 like how big that is for LA, yep. right? And how big that is for the, uh, you know, for the MLB. It's like, is it really big? Yeah. You know, whatever, but it's still super big. You look at, um, Michael Jordan, right? But the Charlotte Bobcats. Yeah. Or, I don't think the Charlotte Bobcats anymore. They're the Hornets, <laughs> but I still call them the Bobcats because yeah. I love that name. <laughs> uh, but being a part of that ownership group, right? There's, it, it, there's goodness to being a former athlete, but it's nothing what it could be like when you have a guy like Ryan Reynolds because he is still going to be making Deadpool 3 or, sure. you know, the next uh, cheesy Just Friends or whatever it is, love story. Like, <laughs> you know, this guy is going to constantly be in the news. It's like Magic Johnson – you know, yeah, he's around, but you know, he's hasn't played in a while. He's just, yeah, he's That's right. still a well-known, legendary basketball player, but he's not someone that you're going to see on TV tomorrow night like doing his thing. And that's where, like I said, if you can see, hey, Ryan Reynolds, I'm going to be doing this talk show tomorrow night, and hey, like, how's your hockey team doing? Oh, great. You know, Brady Kachuk had a sweet fight, or look at Tim Stutzler scoring the goal, or Josh Norris with a rifle yeah, shot. Yeah, it's good to be on late night TV. But mm. not even late night. Well, Any TV is going to yeah. be on with, you know, Ryan Seacrest. Ellen. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I thought she got canceled. Oh, I don't even man, know what's going man, on with her. No I idea. just, I have no idea either. But it's like, this guy is going to be constantly in the news, talking and, and being out there, acting. Like I said, he, he's going to be constantly in the start. And it's just, it's so big for the league. It's nothing like former players owning a team. And hey, no shots at Alfie or any of the other owners I just brought up, people out of other parts of the ownership. It's cool. And it's just, it's one of those things where it's so good for the league marketing and growing. I'm, I'm okay with what Gary's doing. I don't, like I said, smells a bit desperate. 
A little bit. A little bit. A little bit of desperation yeah. as I try and sniff trying into this microphone. To the cool party. Yeah, yeah, and I get it. Like, it's you can take advantage of it, but it's like, you know what? I put more on Ryan Reynolds being like, I want to be part of this than, right. you know, because a lot of people were like, all right, maybe he's just saying that. Well, now that he said it and it's like, oh man, this is going to been in, he's met with the league. Met yeah, with Haley, it sounds like it's, Batman. it's pretty much a slam dunk going to happen. It so yeah. I'm pretty excited to see what turns out in the next couple of, you know, weeks or months here and how this all turns out and what then becomes the product of the Ottawa Senators, both on and off the ice, right. having him there and. You know, I, I, Blake Lively, I don't know his wife that well, other than a couple movies and what, <laughs> what's going on, but, you know, having some A-list celebrities, you know, sure. Dion was here with Alicia Cuthbert who, oh, I like you know, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love the ranch, but you know, you girl next Big door was popular was, mechanics uh, for kids. Kimberly Power <laughs> on 24. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it, it was, you know, I remember walking through Club Bell one day at a Sens game, just seeing her and I'm like, oh man, that's so cool. Yeah. It's like to see her here and you know, she's married to Dion. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Like. It shouldn't be a big deal, but it is a big deal. You look at Ryan Reynolds being there, people are all over it. It's Justin like, Bieber and his Care Bears yeah, sweater. You, well, that's what I mean. You look, you look at the Leafs and how big that is for what he does. And look Drake at Drake with the Raptors. Yeah. Like it, it matters. It, it does matter. It matters so big. And that's, you know, I, I can't believe when I was talking about all these ownerships, like those guys aren't even owners. Those are just fans. Just, yeah. So they don't get to talk. They don't get, yeah, I think Drake gets paid and (laughs) I don't know what happens with Biebs, but he's usually- He's doing all right. (laughs) Yeah, he's he's doing all right. They don't need that kind of money and I don't think Ryan Reynolds is either. But my point is, is it's to have him part of the ownership is going to be huge for just the Ottawa Senators and the NHL. So I'm excited to see what happens over the next couple of weeks. Gary's going to get his, you know, his- Pat on the back from Ryan, and I'm sure he's going to have his name brought up by Ryan a lot and is going to be super excited about it. But <laughs> at the end of the day, I'm not going to be super hard on him for it. I could be hard on him for about a million things, but this time I'll let him have it, as, even though it's, like I said, the desperation's around. <laughs> uh, we'll grab a quick break here to uh, go and grab another pint, and uh, we'll be back in just a sec. Well, I guess it's not cool to freak on Christmas because the cops came and Christmas time again. It's time to be nice to the people you can't stand. All year, I'm growing tired of all this Christmas cheer. You people scare me. Please stay away from my home. If you don't want to get me down, just leave the presents and then leave me alone. All right, and we're back in here on the Talkin' Audio Podcast. Uh, Grabbed another pint out of the uh, the fridge here. We're riding with the same one here. What do you what do you choose for us? There? Well, we were talking a little bit about stouts earlier, and that got me in the stout mood. And the stout is perfect for this time of the year, so I went with the skinny dipping stout from Sawdust Brewery. And Sawdust, man, they make all kinds of uh, of really nice stuff. Oh uh, man, one of the best breweries in the province. I think most people would uh, would agree with. Uh, the skinny dipping stout, I think I've had once or twice before, but it's been a little while. Uh, so I'm looking forward to checking this one. I think you've made a good choice. You know, I'm a stout guy here and especially yeah. this time of year, right? Like this is winter time, holiday season time, stout time. I haven't, uh, I haven't given it a shot before, but, uh, I'm, I'm down to give it a chance. I've had some stuff from Sawdust City that I've, uh, I've liked. So I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty down to try this right now. Okay. So compared to the 8%. Doppelbach that I just finished. This is a little sweeter. It's got something else. Uh, yeah, I, I'm having a heart. It's got maybe a little chocolatey. 
Uh, but Very definitely chocolate. something, yeah, definitely something a little sweeter going on from, uh, from the skinny dipping stout. How's your Coors Light now after yes. your April? <laughs> exactly. It is definitely <laughs> a step down. So, uh, look, before we get into some of the fight talk here, uh, we did reference off the top of the show that, uh, that you hadn't been in since just after your, uh, Halloween movie marathon. Are you a Christmas movie marathon guy? Do you do something similar as we head through December and, and check out all the, uh, the classic Christmas movies? No, uh, I'll, I'll get to a couple usually, but, uh, I don't, uh, I don't go out of my way to make sure I do what I do for Halloween. Halloween is like my, uh, my Mecca. Like that's, that's, that's my, my thing is Halloween. <laughs> But no, it's, it's not something that, uh, I, I do. I like a couple that I'll get to, but, uh, you know, I, I like. So what the, are they? You got to tell us, hit us with one or two that every year you're going to make sure you check it. Yeah. It's so the whole Malones are very obvious. Yeah. One, two, or my, my, <laughs> probably my, uh, some of my top go-tos, but also I'll go to, uh, your buddy, Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> Jingle All the Way is, yeah, uh, okay. one when I was a kid, I've always thought it was pretty funny. Uh, the Grinch and you know what? I'm, I'm not all about the Jim Carrey Grinch. No. I want, I, I like, never, I like, I, I don't, I, it. I like it. I didn't. It's okay. But I, I, I prefer the, like. The 30, 1950s cartoon. Yeah. The 30 minute cartoon special. I think that's cool. I, I, you know, I heard people arguing about which is the real Grinch and it's like, I don't know, man. It's hard to take away from it. I like the, I thought it was a good movie. I like the acting from Jim Carrey. I think it was solid, but nah. Nah, not feeling it. No, no it's uh, it's if I was to pick one, I'll go with the uh, the original. I also, you know, enjoy the original Santa Claus. Um, I'm not one of those guys that's going to go through every single Hallmark one. No, no, I think, I think they've already filmed like 13 in Ottawa this year. Yeah, so. exactly. And I, I just actually saw a couple of our probably mutual friends tweeting about one that was set here earlier this year. Oh, jeez. But uh, I get into I, I, I like. Classic Rudolph, the, 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 okay. that one, I, I got time for that. Um, my dad, every Christmas Eve, it seemed right. Like he'd be up late wrapping presents after we'd gone to bed and he'd watch the original, like the Christmas Carol, right? The ghost of Christmas Good past call. Christmas. And it was like the old black and white one and the audio was terrible and it would be echoing down the hall to where we were sleeping. And it was almost like it came off as like, cause you're not out there watching it. It was like Spooky, right? The, this echoey, yeah. shitty audio coming down the hall. Um, but yeah, like I'm like you, Home Alone. I'm pushing forty. That shit's never not going to be funny to watch some kid tossing paint barrels down the stairs at at people, and you know, watching Marv step on a nail and fall back down, and Harry setting his hair head on fire. I, I love that one. <laughs> hey, Marv, how's it going? Is my head. <laughs> But, uh, you know what I've noticed and I, I kind of, I don't want to say I have a beef with, I, I've got two things I'll bring up right now. Okay. I'll start with the one is, you know, what bothers me a lot is when people smell, spell Christmas Xmas. Oh no. It's like, what are you doing writing Xmas? Do you get just write out Christmas? I'm like, come on. It's just. I'm one of those guys. Yeah. Are you? Oh, oh yeah. man. I just, and I see and people putting it out there online. More and more than anywhere else. It's on Twitter. Cause I got a character limit. So I'll throw it on just the XMAS as opposed to the full. Okay. Right? Fair enough. But, I'll, 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 but I do use it. Our family has used it quite a bit. Uh, I just, it's like, I, I don't know why, but it's like, it's Christmas. It's should be fun and whatever. And it's like, I feel like, why, why do you need a short form Christmas? It's uh, whatever. <laughs> but, uh, my other one is like, it seems like the last couple of years, it's like they've shifted to like, you know, there's Hallmark Christmas movies and like, I don't know, any more modern, really great, exciting Christmas no. movies. But 
you know, Alpha I think is a lot more modern one. With that Will Ferrell, yeah. Yeah, I don't like it that much. No, it's okay, mainly because it's on your TV every single day yeah. from November yep. whatever till January 30th. It's on in the summertime. <laughs> it's just always on. It's always, always on TV. So I'm kind of over it, but it's the, I don't remember if you remember, but about a year or two ago was Fat Man with Mel Gibson in Ottawa filming the Santa Claus movie where he's, you know, a badass Santa. That's kind of like a hitman. That's he's getting attacked by all of the, this kid, but it takes place in like Almont and like Winchester. And I'm all uncomfortable with watching Mel Gibson in any more religiously centered. Yeah, <laughs> it was, and like I said, it's kind of like this badass Christmas Santa. I think Shrides talked about this last year because she lives out in Almont. Yeah, right? so yeah. I think so, she said they were filming. Yeah, out well, there. there's like a scene where they're on the highway, and it's like, okay, it's kind of you know, it's hey, that's the 417. Right, that's, right. that's kind of cool, but it's like okay, there's that, but then like you go cram. Campus, another one's kind of like a more scary, you yeah. look at watching UFC, we watch the fight nights <laughs> and it's this, what is it? It's this violent night is this next That's one. That's right. Yeah, and yeah. it seems like there's this trend for the need for like a badass violent Christmas Santa now. Right. It's like, where did this come from? I don't know why. I don't, I just, it doesn't come I'm sure it comes from Die Hard. <laughs> it's, it's every a, year everybody argues, is it a Christmas movie or isn't it? Oh, well, it was a hot dog a sandwich or what? And so exactly. So now we have like, well, let's just make an action movie that's definitely a Christmas movie. Yeah. The, it's just getting a bit. Uh, so I'll, I'll tell you the one that's, that's bigger on our house, man. And uh, it's sort of faded in the last couple of years. Um, although I don't want to jinx it, but for the longest time every year growing up, we would watch, uh, my mom would insist, we would all sit down on Christmas Eve and watch Little House on the Prairie Christmas. And it's this fucking tearjerker. I don't know if you've ever watched an episode of Little House on the Prairie in your life. No. So, you know, the horse, uh, the, the, the daughter sells her horse to have money to buy mom a present. Mm -hmm. But, um, mom has bought daughter a saddle for the horse that she's just sold, right? Like <laughs> dad has offered to, uh, fix a wagon wheel for this general store owner. And in exchange, he's going to buy this new oven for someone in the house, but someone else in the family has secretly bought that. Like, and it's this whole thing where like everyone's Christmas gets ruined, but at the end they put the star on top of the tree and everybody's happy together as a family. But like, there's this multiple heartbreaks throughout the whole thing. And you're just like, why are we watching this on Christmas Eve? It's terrible. Is uh, And so you do that uh, always on Almost Christmas always Eve? on Christmas Eve. Okay. Yeah. We'll sit down. It's one of the, you know, we'll have a drink or two. We'll have a nice mm-hmm. dinner. Um, and yeah, as, as people are kind of in and out of the living room, maybe wrapping their last couple presents, that's always what's, what's on TV. That's one that my mom wants to, uh, yeah. to check out. <laughs> my, my Christine. Yeah. Oh, Hey, that's it. And that's fun to do as a family. Like you said, kind of have it like that. And <laughs> I, uh, I've never been like, I, I like the Christmas vacation, like Chevy Chase, the national, but it's not like, I mean, I'm like, there's people that like live and swear yeah, by it, which yeah. is. I'm the same cool. way where it's like, it's kind of fun. And like, there's the brother-in-law that everybody kind of laughs at. Cousin Eddie. <laughs> yes, exactly. There's the, uh, you know, early on in the movie, they grease up one of those snow discs or oh, like the saucer. Like, yeah. Like it absolutely <laughs> has its moments, but as like a start to finish movie, you're like, it's a bit long. Like there's a lot, it's a bit too much maybe, but like it has its moments for sure. Bend over, I'll show it to you. <laughs> uh, it's a... Uh, <laughs> 
I've never uh, I've never been super die hard into it, but no. I, I do like it. I yeah. I, I do. So I'll, I'll try and mix that one in. But my uh, Christmas Eve or right around Christmas Eve, the one I make sure I must watch is the Trailer Park Boys Christmas. That's <laughs> okay. always been my uh, yeah. me and my buddies used to always watch it. I'm you know I usually get together with one buddy and we'll throw it on and we'll you know drink some rum and we'll make some jokes about it. And sure. it's uh, it's always one where. Dear Santa Claus, go fuck yourself is one of our, my, me and my buddies, whenever we, we don't really say Merry Christmas, we just say that to each other and it, we know what it means because of Ricky and yeah. it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a fun little special. It's only, I think 45 minutes or so on, on Netflix, but it's just one of those old school and it's, it's pretty cool because the way they film it and they do it, it's like a preclude to Trailer Park Boys and it's filmed though, like in season five of Trailer Park Boys. Oh, okay. So it's a little bit like, it's right in the prime when like, you know, seasons one through six or one through five are probably the big seasons for it. But this was filmed in five where it was like right at the peak and it's like one of the better episodes of Trailer Park Boys and it's kind of just- filmed as a prequel? Yeah, it's filmed as a prequel. Like J-Rock, who's well known in it, he's known as a nerdy Jamie. Okay. And he's never, he's like, oh, like there's a scene in there where he's like, have you ever tried marijuana? And then, uh, you know- (laughs) The guy they call T is just like, oh, he's like, nah, man, marijuana is pretty hardcore, Jamie. And it's like, they don't. He's like, oh, and Ricky's giving him a hard time. He's like, why does that, why do you have two nerds carrying one tree? One tree per nerd. And it's like, <laughs> then like J-Rock becomes J-Rock in season one. So it's like, it's kind of cool to see some parts of it where it's different and it's, it's a prequel. And I don't know, it's one of my, it's easy to watch. You throw, sure. I usually, if I have, like I said, either rum or yeah. I like a, uh, you know, I don't love eggnog, but I'll have an eggnog I'm mix. the same way. I can't really get into eggnog. It's not uh, Yeah, thing. I don't mind it, but I'll have it like with eggnog and Baileys. Yeah, okay. That's, I'll do like a half-half. Right. And like, I'll, or also just do like a salted caramel Baileys or there's a uh, peppermint bark I've had before. It's nice. pretty much like a, another kind of different kind of Baileys. It's an Nanaimo bar whiskey that I've gotten into here the last year or two that, oh, oh it's terrific, wow. man. It's okay. perfect. So, yeah, so, I mean, it's diabetes in a bottle, but it's, <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but what is isn't anymore. <laughs> right. So, but that sounds tasty. So yeah, that's my, I guess in that sense of it, you're, it's my kind of, my one like true, like I can get by without watching, you know, the one, uh, any of those movies, like any of the big ones, I can get by without watching them, yeah. but make sure I get my trailer park boys in. I like every now and then while I'm wrapping gifts, there's a couple of family guy Christmas episodes where like Stewie and Brian end up playing Santa yeah. one year and like it becomes a break and enter essentially. <laughs> and they've done one house in 90 minutes and uh, and a couple of Simpsons ones that like every now and then, you know, they make you laugh and they're kind of fun. But yeah, in terms of ones that I actually have to sit down and watch, I, I do like if I can find, you know, a niece or a nephew or, or whatever to sit down and watch the Rudolph one, that's probably the classic one that I have to make sure I see each year. But beyond <laughs> that, there's not a whole lot, man. And, uh, uh, why don't we talk a little bit about the fight game and man, I, I'm glad you're here because you can help me walk the the good listener through this. And I, I, it is such a mess right now at light heavyweight. Oh man. And this started, bef- uh, so UFC 282 was last Saturday and leading up to that, it was supposed to be, uh, light heavyweight champion, Yuri Prohoshka defending against Glover Toshera, who was also a former champion, the, the last champion before Yuri Prohoshka. Uh, Yuri pulls up hurt. He's blown out his shoulder. Can't fight. So Dana White and the UFC go to Glover Teixeira and say, and I guess I should mention, Yuri gives up the title. 
he's not going to hold on to it. It's not going to be an interim thing. He goes, I can't fight. I'll just, I'll forfeit the title and we'll have a legitimate championship match at UFC 282. So Glover Teixeira is offered uh, Magomed Ankalaev. And Glover goes, yeah, I'd fight that guy, but not on like two weeks notice. He's a monster. Why don't we do that in January down in Brazil, where Teixeira is from? And, uh, you know, it'll be a nice addition to that card. And the UFC says, no, we need a, a main event for 282 this month. And he says, yeah, I, I don't want to take on Ankalaev on, on that short notice. And if you're not a hardcore fight fan, like that sounds like kind of a shitty thing to do, but you go through an entire training camp preparing for one guy. Mm-hmm. And if they suddenly offer you someone else, man, you're going in there with a trained killer who could hurt you bad. And, and I don't think it's crazy that Glover said, I don't want to fight this guy on two weeks notice. So they kind of went, okay, you're out. Mm-hmm. And they decide we will have two guys who were supposed to fight on the undercard. Jan Blahovich, who's also a former light heavyweight champion. He will fight against uh, Magomed Ankalaev, and that's now a title fight. So the, the both guys are who were supposed to be in the main event for the title, Yuri Prohoshka and Glover Teixeira, they're both out. One injured, one has passed on, on the fight. Mm-hmm. So we go through and we have an interesting fight, pretty good fight. Magomed Ankalaev versus, uh, what did I just say? Oh, Jan Blachowicz. Jan Blachowicz. And they go the distance to the, uh, to the judges scorecards. That fight is deemed a draw. It's a tie. No champion. Magomed Ankalaev is pissed. He thinks he won. I also think he won. We can get into that. Uh, Blachowicz, perhaps to his detriment, says, I also don't think I won. So... We have now gone through four different fighters and we don't have a champion. So next month in January, down in Brazil, they have another card. And they come out and say, Glover Teixeira, who, if you recall, passed on the Ankalaev fight on short notice, he's going to fight Jamal Hill. Jamal Hill was supposed to have fought Anthony Smith on that card. Glover Teixeira wasn't scheduled to be on it at all. So... We have now gone through, like I said, it was supposed to be Yuri Prohoshka and Glover Teixeira. Yuri gets hurt. Glover doesn't want to fight on short notice. Okay, you're both out. We do Jan Blahovich and we do uh, against Magomed Ankalaev. That's supposed to be the definitive one. That's a tie. No champion there either. So now we take Jamal Hill, who was supposed to fight Anthony Smith in Brazil in January, and go, Jamal... You're fighting Glover Teixeira, who's suddenly back in the mix, and Anthony Smith, fuck you, you're just out of luck. Have I pretty much summed this up? Have I have I gone down this road correctly in terms of the am I missing anything on the mess that is the light heavyweight title scene right now? Let me think. Uh no, you, you summed it up pretty good there. And we I don't know where we can start to touch. Well, the, just yeah. It sucks because you, you can even go back, and since we've had more vacant fights for this belt than we've had title defenses 
from John Jones. Like he hasn't even fought <laughs> since he's relinquished the belt. Yeah. And since he's dealt with the belt and had title defenses in the last couple of years, it's, it's ridiculous. But yeah. Eh. So is this fair? Yeah. No, I, I have no issues with what happened other than the fact that I think Ankaliyev won that fight. And I, I think too. the whole world and does. And so does Ankaliyev. Yeah. And, and I've seen a lot out there, right? You, you go from, you know, the, the scoring judge that was brought in from New York who had a 50 uh, 45 for the loser in a fight. So I'm glad you brought this up. On Friday night, <laughs> Doug before Crosby you, here. Yeah, and it's important to understand if you're not a hardcore fight fan, judges are not employed by the UFC. Each state employs their own judges and referees. And if you want to perform and have a show in their state, they get to choose the officials and the judges who come in. And it's better that way. It really is. The UFC should not be employing its own referees. So this guy on Friday night in a five-round fight gives it to a guy 50 to 45. The other judges on the panel say he lost. It's ridiculous. It is the worst you've ever seen. Uh, And this same guy is yeah, then flown out to Vegas the next day to be a judge on UFC 282. And he is involved in this entire mess. Mm-hmm. And man, I just, Ankalaev immediately after the main event on Saturday night says, I'm, I don't even know if I'll fight for this organization again. You know, I get you're annoyed right now, but the, the judging is not the UFC's fault. Mm-hmm. That's, that's done by the, the Vegas athletic commission. You don't want the people who are presenting fights to you also employing the officials because now you see all kinds of screwy shit about making sure their top guys are always winning. You want independent referees. But this guy was just fucking terrible. Yeah. Uh, And so I just, Glover Teixeira passed, right? Ankalaev thinks he's won. And now I think a lot of people immediately after that fight assumed... I guess we'll just do this fight again, Blahovich versus Ankalaev. And to be fair, it wasn't a very good fight. Like it wasn't particularly no. entertaining. So the UFC maybe didn't want to run it out there again as another pay-per-view, but to then in within 35 minutes of that fight being over and that show being done, Dana White is having a press conference saying, yeah, next month, fuck it, Glover Teixeira, Jamal Hill. Mm-hmm. Dana White is also a guy who frequently says, yeah, we don't make fights on Saturday night. Make sure you remember that the next time he tries to tell you that uh, <laughs> that he doesn't do that. I, I just and now we're talking about what being maybe two months away from Yuri Prohoshka just being back anyway, right? Like you could have just well, you no, could have just done the interim title. Fight. Well, no, because he it sounds like he's going to be out for a good year, um, at least. A you think bit. so? Well, from everything I've heard from yeah? Dana White, the, okay. the the whole plan was this fight was going to happen and Glover Teixeira was going to fight the winner of Ankalaev or Bukovic. Right. And Probably then in brought, April or May. Yeah. yeah. And, and then Yuri was going to get his fight after that. Okay. So it was it was going to be a good while. Apparently the shoulder injury was pretty serious. So okay. the next two fights weren't, well, this fight and the next, well, the one that just happened and the next fight weren't going to involve him. And there's even, like, it might not happen for three is from what okay. I was picking up. All right. And, but the big thing that I think we're seeing here now is, and, and like I said, the you go up and down the card. It wasn't a well judged card, and by that, and you know that Doug Crosby guy, I, I saw, you know, so many people throwing you know things out there where it's yeah, it's not employed by the UFC, but it makes it easier for Dana to pay him off because they technically don't have a connection. Mm. I've seen as well because he wasn't on this card, but you know that Dana White is you know good friends with Trump and you know good you know huge American guy. Well. 
you look at the last couple of Russian fighters that have had title fights or big fights, Peter Yon. Yep. Magomed and Kalev. Yep. Kind of getting screwed out of some, but you look at that, these two Russians and hey, you know, Dana White saying, you know what? These guys aren't winning unless it's like they win. And neither of them did. And it's like, I don't know if that's true or not. I'm not going to say I believe it, but that, that's what you, you hear. And like, like well, I it said, is the, like Jan Blahovich at the end of that fight, perhaps to his own disservice said, mm. ah, I didn't fight very well. Like he, he probably did win. Yeah. And then Magomed Ankalaev is far less sporting, but he's like, yeah, fuck yeah, I did win. Right? Yeah. Like he's, he's pissed. And I, I agree with him. I know you do too. Right. That did Ankalaev won that fight. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's fascinating to see this, man, it, it, they're shredding credibility here, the UFC, in my opinion, right? They obviously went to, if we go all the way back to the beginning, Prohoshka gets hurt. He can't defend the title. His number one contender is Glover Teixeira. Glover doesn't want to fight on that short notice. All right. You can talk me into the fact that that's on Glover, right? He decides I don't want to do it. So now we're just going to make the next lowest fight on the, uh, the next highest fight on the card into the title fight. So now we have Jan Blahovich versus Magomed Ankalaev. Okay. Those are now, you've stated as the UFC, these are the number one and two contenders, right? These are our championship guys. Unless they tie, in which case, fuck them too. And now we're on to, we'll just pick some other two guys. Jamal Hill and Glover Teixeira is back in there. What about Anthony Smith? who was supposed to fight Jamal Hill. Like, it, uh, it, he complains too much. I'm not worried about it. Yeah, fair enough. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it just feels like whatever, who's next. It has nothing to do with who deserves a title fight. It's we have to put a title fight on this card. And so we'll do it as opposed to, is this actually worth a championship match? Yeah, I, I go yes and no on that situation too. I, I agree. It feels like they're trying to force a champion more than that. But then, you know, we can also argue that Glover Teixeira deserves a title shot regardless, even though yeah. I don't, I, I have no yeah. issues with him passing on the fight. It happens all the time in the UFC. Nobody likes taking last minute I've fights. I just spent two months preparing for this guy. And now at the last second, you want to throw a totally different guy at me. And it's, and where I, where I side with. to go, I don't want to do that. But where I do is because it's a title fight. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, and Glover is a spot. Like, I even read and, and see people making fun of, uh, you know, Glo- Glover's going to win it and then relinquish the title, and there's going to be a vacant title fight again in three months from now, oh, anyway. Christ. So it's like a joke, but you know, because yeah, yeah, Glover's yeah. a bit older. But yeah, yeah, at the end of the day, you know, if it's a it's a Saturday night fight and there's nothing going on, I I'm okay with him. You know, taking the fight, I'd be a little bit grumpier if he said no to a last minute fight if it wasn't for a title fight. But the fact that it's a title fight, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt here. The fact that that's the way the fight turned out. Look, I'm and not it's in I'm, Brazil. Yeah, and that's the other big thing I was going to say is he's Brazilian. It's going to be huge. It's going to be a huge card, anyways. Have him out there. Uh, you know, see, I, that, that's funny. I I kind of thought that card was looking pretty weak. They almost needed this. Well, there was always a rumor that there was there. It was missing one fight. Yeah, yeah. It was miss, and like here it is. And it's like you know, for Anthony Smith and you know whatever. Like I, I don't I, like this guy. I feel like is more. I, he's look, had his chances, I, and his biggest wars were. Always, I don't think. To me, the the problem isn't that Anthony Smith is getting jobbed out of his Jamal Hill fight. It just it's that they're playing fast and loose with fuck it. We're breaking up that fight. Jamal Hill fight Clover Teixeira, and this is a championship fight. 
Is it? Yeah, is this but, a, but that's been Dana White in the UFC for years, hasn't it? Like, yeah. You, yeah. Hey, you know what? There's a pandemic. Fuck it. I'm buying an island. <laughs> right. Like, you know, it's we've seen Dana White out of emotion do things in the past. And Glover Teixeira, we saw him at the card. He was at the fight yeah. in Vegas on the weekend. He was there. It didn't take much. He probably felt like he really wanted to fight well, on he that. He said on uh, Ariel Hawani's show last week that Dana had called him yeah. before the other two were even out of the octagon. Yeah. Like, this was happening that fast. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those, hey, like... I get it. Dana was pissed. It was a it was a boring fight. It wasn't a good. You know, you, you know, for Jan Bukovic, like in for Ankalaev too. Like I think the funny thing was is how you know he's so well known as a wrestler and a guy that can take this fight to the ground and you know you know uses like power is was more on Bukovic's side in boxing. Well, the first three rounds was basically round one was a toss up, but two and three was the Bukovic because Ankalaev could almost not stand because yeah. he would take eating yeah. leg kicks and no, it's like. Right. All right, and then you hear his corner. It's like, what are you doing? Why are you trading with this guy? You can't even stand up. Your legs are getting shredded apart, dude. Like, right. And then it's like, all right, well, around you know, four and five, he just wrestles them, and it's like, all right, it kind of turns into a majority draw, which is, like I said, just ridiculous how that happened. But it was a boring fight, and I could tell Dana was probably sour. He made this fight. But and I so feel again, like- for people who aren't UFC fans that are necessarily hardcore, it's not just about the rankings. Like normally you go, if this is a championship fight, and it's a tie, then we have to do it again in three months. Dana went, this fight sucked. This was boring. And I will not put it as the main event on pay-per-view again. And as a fan, as a customer, you should be happy that he did that. But as a, as the integrity of the sport, it's a, what you just decided now, neither of these two guys get a title shot, even though you were selling it as a title match a, a month ago. It, that's where this has always been the thing in the UFC, right? It's, it's, Biggest pay-per-view vie versus, you know, mm. uh, actual merit. And yeah. he's clearly decided, no, it's all, uh, I'll just let the next two guys fight for the belt. Yeah. It hardly feels like a legit championship match to me at this point. That's all. Uh, I don't, I don't have a huge problem with it. I see why Dana White did it. And I'm wondering more if this fight was kind of in the back pocket regardless. Yeah. Having a fight for Glover to share there. I feel like parts of this was already assembled, like you said. Like, Glover was already kind of ready for a camp. All right, but give me some time. But I just don't want to fight in two weeks. So, hey, can we throw you in on the next pay-per-view at 283 in but Brazil? had Jamal Hill to Anthony Smith ready. Oh, yeah, but that, that's what I mean, though. It's, it's a situation where, hey, well, who's the next? Who can he fight for the title? Because these guys clearly got beat up pretty bad and aren't going to yes. fight in, a, no. in no. January in Brazil. So it was, all right, well, who's your next best kind of contending guy? And it's Jamal Hill. So, hey, Anthony Smith, sorry, dude, you're more of a placeholder to, you know, I feel like he's a guy that sits in the top 10 and fights these up and coming guys more than he is a guy fighting. Like, you know, I I get he gets the shitty end of the stick here and he's a guy that's sitting on panel learning about it as it's happening, which is kind of funny. That was wild. He was on the ESPN Plus desk, right? The average sport has their panel, right? During intermission, after pregame, postgame. UFC is no different. Anthony Smith is one of the guys breaking this down when the news comes in like, hey, next month, Jamal Hill, Glover Teixeira for the light heavyweight title. And Anthony Smith's going, fuck, I, am I not fighting Jamal Hill? Yeah. It's and, a wild scene, man, to do business that way. No, for sure. And I look more, I, I don't have that as a beef, like the the making the, the title beef. fight. It just looks. No, for the integrity bushy. of the sport situation, though, I, you know, you brought up, I don't think that is the part of it that bothers me. It's the part we're starting to see with the official scoring, but it's not just that. It's the, we're starting to see, and I don't know how much I like it either, but I also, I want more if it's going to happen this way, is 
the judges and how we've seen, like I said, you go back to Jan versus O'Malley and, you know, you go back the last couple of years and Dana's always been one that says, Hey, you know what? You have a problem with the judges. Don't let it go to the judges yeah, or win this fight, win yeah. the stand fight. But you look at the, like some big name fighters and Hey, Patty Pimblett, that was the one way against Jared Gordon. It's like, there's no way he won that fight. And it's no. like, he got a unanimous decision. Yeah. That's a pre in, in the whole world, other than Patty, the whole world knows he didn't win that fight. And oh, that's what he's out there. Go fight of the night. Yeah, fuck you. But, you got beat up. Yeah, and you got like O'Malley's fight. And, and like I said, I'm a big Sugar Show guy. I love that. So that was I, a month ago. Yeah, yeah and yeah. that was, but that was still a pretty big like. Okay, he won the fight, and like I said, you go back, you watch it, and you kind of take your move. A lot of what happened, you know what? He outstruck the hell out of him in those late that that late round. It's like all right, his third round was pretty big, and I get why they might have scored it that way. But I want to see if you're gonna have. You know, DC, Joe, Dana, you're going to have the like the, all the media sharing the scorecards on Twitter and online and everybody ripping them. Have them sit and explain their cards. Yeah. Because if not, you're using them as scapegoats. Because like you said, they're not employed by the UFC, but all we ever hear is about how terrible these damn judges are and what the hell is going on. That is what's going to ruin the integrity of the sport more than anything. If this guy is going to give you know, a, you know, 10, eight round or a 10, like right. if, you know, if he's going to give a crazy score, explain yourself. Well, and we see this in a lot of sports, right? The referees never have to face the media. Well, some of them do. And we see wow. in baseball every once in a while, right? You go back to the well, perfect game a couple of years ago and it's like, in baseball. It, it, it happens though. And it does my, happen. My point is, is if you want to say face of integrity, like hockey. I don't have problems with short last minute fights and moving guys around and, and doing what they're doing, but yeah, you don't see it very often. And it doesn't happen, but like you go back to Armando uh, Galarraga, the, yep. the yeah. you know the Detroit Tigers years ago, and the Had a you know, perfect game going. Yeah. And, and we've seen in baseball where umpires sometimes will come out and explain their calls, and, and, it's and one it's, pool reporter is usually elected to go in, and, sure. and that's fine. That's, 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 that works. That's, that's, that's and that's all you need. And that's what I'm saying is if we are gonna see the judges constantly get thrown under the bus, but never answer for why they had that score. That is why I want to know, like, that is how you can save face. Like I said, you look at it and it's like, I don't care about last minute fights. I get Dana White's emotion. That's what makes Dana White love him or hate him. That makes him such a, a good face of the UFC. Yep. He's always been he's that guy where yeah. he doesn't care. He doesn't take no for an answer. He's, he's, he's that guy. And Hey, like I said, I'm not the biggest Dana White supporter, but I do think he is so good for what that sport is. He is what has brought that sport. The Fertitta brothers brought it, but like he is right He's the there. front of it. He's the yeah, face of it. Yeah, and he it. always has been. And I, I love his, his- But everybody should remember the next time he tries to tell you, wow, oh, we don't make fights on Saturday night. Yeah, but yeah. then again, like I said, that's just Dana White being an arrogant, you know, yeah, SOB. Right. And it's okay. So remind him. It happens. So you watch, you watch him answer questions post-fight. took him 35 minutes. Well, you, you watch him event. answer questions about the, you know, the investigation that's going on with the one, like the throwing fights right now, the investigation that's going on James with the- Krause Yeah, James Krause. And, and, and yeah. he's like- getting mad at reporters for asking him about it. I don't know. You, you know, as much as I do, I, there's an investigation going like, and he gets sour about it. Like the arrogance and snap factor from Dana White has always been there. That's who he is. And like I said, there's a lot of good that he's done and a lot of great that he's done. And he's, he's the reason why the UFC is where it is today. And that there's a reason why when everything kind of sold out a couple of years ago, he's still getting paid a hundred million dollars a year to do what he does because that's what he, he's very good at what he does, but it's the, the other stuff that you got to make sure because 
if you're going to start losing fighters, and like I said, like there's about seven or eight different conspiracy theories I've read <laughs> since Saturday night about these fights, about, like I said, the Russian fighters. I don't fighters think and, conspiracies, to, in my mind. I think there's just questionable decisions. Oh, I'm, all. Oh, I'm just saying, I don't believe in any of them, but yeah. I'm hearing that, you know, well, Dana White would never let Russians win amid, you know, Putin and what's happening yeah. in the Ukraine and all of that. So that's why you look at Jan and now, you know, here comes Ankalaev. They're not winning fights. So, well, then they're not winning that fight. No. And it's just you silly stuff That's like that. Well, <laughs> well, it all is crazy talk, right? It's the judges being flown in because they can get paid by Dana White under the, under the table and all this and that. And it's like, there's a lot that goes on. And the way you can save face is by having these guys talk. Yeah. Why did you give a, I, I want to know more or less than why was there a 50, 45? Right. Have the, the referees before, come out, Why is themselves. there a draw? Yeah. Why is the, you know, why did Patty get a unanimous? How does he get a unanimous decision? He's like good for business. And that's the thing. It's like, if you're not going to come out and defend the right. scores and Dana White, when he gets asked about it, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's the, you know, it's the judges. It's not us. Right. Well, damn, like hold them accountable. That's all I got on that situation. <laughs> so as we get ready then to, you know, close down another year of MMA, uh, you know, I, I'm going to put this to you. What is the biggest story for you coming out of 2022, heading into 2023. And, and while I give you a second to ponder that, mm. I think I said this maybe the last time you were in here. For me, it is a, a changing of the guard at multiple weight classes. Mm-hmm. Guys that we were talking about as being in the conversation for best in their divisions ever or best pound for pound. We saw this year, Izzy Adesanya, lose his title as a guy that we thought, wow, that guy's never going to lose shit. Um, Kamaru Usman lost his title this year. It's a guy who, again, was in that conversation right there. Is he going to become better than, than GSP's all-time record at welterweight? We saw a lot of these guys lose their, their titles this year um, at a few different weight classes. And to me, that's a huge thing. And, and we'll see heading into 2023 what that does to your star power. Are those guys still your biggest stars or once they've lost and they've got that blemish on their record, does that change the way the public views them and, and their pay-per-view you know, buy rates? Uh, I'm not sure yet, but, but we're going to have a chance to find out because we've seen a lot of these guys suddenly kind of fall off their perch. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, that's a massive story moving into 2023. We're going to have some new names at the top of a lot of these divisions that have been dominated by one person for a long time. Yeah, if you want me to give you a fighter of the year, I do think it's Alex Perea. Like that's yeah. what he did fighting three times this year and winning the belt. Taking um, it off Izzy Adesanya at middleweight. Yeah, beating the most dominant middleweight in the last couple of years, right? Since he's won the belt, this guy has not been touched in that division, right? He, yeah. he had his loss when he tried to jump up to light heavyweight against Yamakovich. But yep. you look at that, I'd give him the fighter of the year easily. Um, that's that lightweight too. Who's the name I'm missing? Just lost his title last month. Oh, uh, Oliveira. Charles Oliveira. Yeah. Another one of those guys that had been champion for a very long time and talked about in that conversation, lost his belt. Like he's, there's been a ton of turnover in, uh, in the last couple of months in this, you know, in multiple divisions. Mm -hmm. No. And I look at, you know, you'll bring that up. And my thing, I think for 2023 is we're going to see now, how do these fighters rebound? I bring this up all the time and. When you see dominance, right, and you bring up the GSP factor, right, what 
people forget GSP loss, right? To yep. Matt Sarah early in his career yep. and bounce back, right? Yep. And that was what we what made him the GOAT and what made him GSP. It's sometimes we talk about, all right, you know, undefeated records and two belts and what happens, but it's what happens after a loss, right? Because you look at two different, like you can go the GSP route where, hey man, this guy lost and came back and was like the most dominant welterweight of all time. Yes. Then came back and fought at middleweight and beat Bisping for the belt and then gave the belt back basically and pissed off Dana White. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, or you could be a Ronda Rousey where you're so dominant for so long and then you get tagged and you get beat up. And it's like, oh shit, this sucks Fuck when losing. I'll go make movies Yeah, or and then you dip, you know, you have a rematch and you lose again and you're like, I'm out. I can't handle this. So my big thing to look at in 2023, I've got two. And it's, the big thing is going to be the fight between Makachev and Volkanovsky. Yeah. That's the big fight because Down you have first. the ultimate, you know, you, you have some stars in the making here right now with some of these fighters. And, you know, you got the Raul Rosas who just had his big win, um, again, in his kind of UFC debut at 18 years old on the weekend, mm-hmm. right? You got some young stars in, in this, in this, you know, company right now. It's pretty cool to watch. It's exciting to watch, but you have your global stars right now. And one of them being Alex Volkanovsky yeah. undefeated. We've talked about it, but the way he is as a champion, he kind of has a GSP kind of feel in terms of he's not everyone's favorite because he doesn't have a lot of the sexy fights where he's knocking guys out or yeah. getting big subs, he's just but he's technically solid and just such a good athlete yeah. and so well-rounded Former and, and rugby player. He's a, yeah. He, he's the kind of guy that gets better every time he's in the octagon. Yeah. And, and like you know, Charles Oliveri, you brought up, like he's a guy too, where you watch like every time he got in the octagon, he got better. And at one point that guy was eight and eight and then became a champion and was dominant. Now he lost to Makachev, but now it's like, all right, Makachev's first title defense at light heavyweight or not light heavyweight, just a lightweight division. He's yeah. against, oh, here comes Volkanovsky at featherweight. It's right. like, all right, well, if he wins that, he's then going to be that next double champ, but he's that international star. He doesn't have the mic skills and the, the true personality to sell it like the Conor McGregor's and, you know, the Patty Pimblets like they're trying to do right now. And a lot of these guys that get on the mic and they scream and they holler. So that's the big fight I want to see because Makachev wins. It's like, all right, well, should he have really defended his first time against Volkanovsky? But two, it's like you have the ability. It's a super fight, but it's the ability to build a superstar too in in Volkanovsky because it's going to be a pretty well-known, obviously it's not going to sell much because it's hard to have you know, you need the, you need the two mouths, right? You need the both fight guys. I think it'll sell Vol- Volkanovski in oh, Australia. It, will, but it, it won't like, be globally won't. because I, I just, well, one, because Makachev, I don't, he needs a translator, right? That loses half of the, you know, that loses yeah, half the of the years. Trading of the barbs is where you sell your fights, yep. right? That's oh, where right. a lot of it is going to be. And like I said, when you have guys jump on the mic and can sell, yeah. Volkanovski isn't true to that. And you got a, a guy that I'm pretty sure uses an interpreter. So that kind of steals some of the sizzle, yep. but you, when you have a double champ like Volkanovski and then we're going to see how he handles it, right? Amanda Nunes was there and, you know, she lost and hey, she came back and got that belt. So yep. my other big thing is going to be how does a Kamara Usman respond, right? Yeah. He's got a fight against Leon Edwards. Uh, it In hasn't England. been- yeah, it hasn't been official yet, but it's it sounds like it's very very. I thought close. just this Saturday, I thought they made it. It would be at the O2 instead of yes, in the sorry, stadium. yes, yeah. yeah I sorry. think they did go ahead and make this official. Yeah, it'll be Kumar Usman in a return bout against Leon Edwards, exactly at welterweight, which will be and that'll be in England. That'll be a hell of a fight too, for sure. <laughs> and so that's where it's like, all right, now everyone that watched that fight knows that hey, Leon Edwards had a great first round, yeah. and it was the first time we've really seen Kamar Usman get taken down and get punched in the face. Yep. But then he kind of got flatlined for rounds two. 
rounds three, rounds four, yep. and you know, I don't know, maybe a minute or so into round four, he put uh, up five. a fight in five. Yeah, yeah. And, well, in round five, he hits him with a head kick, yeah. and it's like boom, that and that's out. And we saw Kamar Usman get knocked out, and it's like, all right, now for Kamar Usman, he was already talking about moving up to middleweight, and you know, trying to do something else. This is my point. You got all these guys talking about super fights. So I'm going to move to this division. Yeah. I'm going to move to this division and smash, smash. Like I, it's a pet peeve of mine. Fucking lane, man. Like I, it's a pet peeve of mine because I think it's on the fighter, but it's like, it's, it's happened for a while now, right? We, yeah. we, we, we see a lot of fighters want to do that more and it's, it's okay. It's cool. But at the same time, it's like the UFC needs to kind of hold off on that. Yes. You know, there's only so many Conor McGregor's and, you know, we, we go, you know, Amanda Nunes and, and, and people that could do that. Shevchenko's. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you get down to it, it's like, all right you're really just kind of jeopardizing your divisions and I don't like it, but yeah, at the same time, it. that's, we saw Izzy move up and get knocked out by a pretty mediocre light heavyweight champion, Jan Blachowicz. And it took and some now, of that star power away that's from That's what him. I'm saying. And are we about to see the same thing happen to Alexander Volkanovsky as he yep. moves up to fight a new guy, but a killer who's a lot heavier in Mahachev. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know how that's going to go. I don't know if this is the smartest way to, it's a big fight. If you're going to try and sell out a stadium in Perth, yeah, this is a couple of big names might be able to do mm-hmm. it, but I don't know if it's the smartest thing for, uh, for a guy like Volkanovsky. Last thing I have for you then on this, before we get out of here. Well, I was going to bring up the other, the other part of that oh, yeah, is, okay. going to, is going to be, is he at yeah. right? Cause he's another guy too, that he has never beat Alex Perea and in kickboxing, he lost to him twice, yeah. knocked out one time. Now TKO the second time and he yeah. was. I saw sour about it, which is like, come on, dude. Like you were getting beat up at the end there. True, yes. the, the ref kind of helped you out. You wanted to take another one or two, but <laughs> Alex Perea, we learned is a killer and yep. we've seen that now. He, like I said, three fights this year. He's got two knockouts. He has a decision, but he's the fighter of the year. And now heading into this, you know, 2023 year for him, it's going to be this rematch. It's what happens with Adesanya next? Cause I, you know, as much as we say it's a rematch, we haven't heard confirmation that that's no. what's going to be the next fight for those two guys. But also, how does he respond? Because it has to be, it's a return fight, right? Yeah, for sure. And I, but it, but is he? Uh, we have these sorts of conversations. Does he want to step back and wait and, and yeah, rest and heal and uh, learn to fight? Like that's the thing. He, I don't want to say learn because he was winning that fight as well against Alex Perea. That's right. And then he, you know, it kind of felt like they were both kind of reading each other more than anything. It was more of a points fight. It was also kind of more of a a dull fight. But it had a crazy ending, right? It was. Not to the magnitude of Leon Edwards or uh, Kamara Usman, no. but at the same time, like these are two guys that were once your star fights and your your star guys yeah. that were basically undefeated in their divisions get beat up and lose. So now it's like, all right, I want to see how both of them respond. The other one is going to be John Jones versus Francis Ngannou. Does that happen in 2023? Yeah. Because that's one where John Jones is waiting for a fight and there was, all right, what's going to happen? So like some of your bigger fighters that we haven't seen fight as much. And now we've seen a couple losses. How do those guys bounce back? But John Jones is a guy that, you know, I don't really care much for him or what he's up to, what's going on, but he's teasing fights and it's like, oh, like. Well, Miocic is talking about coming back like that. But he's talked about, he doesn't want to fight. Yeah. And so it's like, he doesn't want to fight John Jones. And I also think John Jones is trying to pick a fight here right now, rather than just go right against Ngannou. 
bottom. And I get it. He doesn't want to go jumping into the title fight right away out of the gate when you're just trying to get used to your, your new body weight, right? That's the one thing that the one thing I'll credit him on doing is taking this time. Maybe it's part legal, but whatever. But yeah, I'm somewhat curious about his new body type. Yeah. How he well, got it. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say that because he's still been in the testing pool. So that's not a big deal. But, you know, we'll Conor see. McGregor was a he's different been story. In his testing pool a bunch. He's, yeah. We'll if, he, see. if he fails, that's the thing. Like, that's, it'll be a big idea. But well, hey, this is a guy that's already a pretty big dude. But his thing was to be like, if I'm going to fight at heavyweight, I need to put that might, like that body weight on me. You look at what happened with Adesanya. If he would have won that fight, man, the guy would have, he barely made weight to get to that middleweight fight or to, to get to that light heavyweight fight. It's like, it's not good. And then you saw him get ragdolled. So it's like, even, yeah, if he wins, if he wins that fight, it's not going to go anywhere. It's like, all right, you're going to defend your belt in a division where everyone's so much bigger than you. It's kind of just, it's kind of silly. So I get it. You want to get used to that body weight. You don't want to just jump into it when you're not naturally that big and you've been fighting forever at 205. Right. This is a big deal to get there to the, you know, the 265 weight range when you got guys coming in that, you know, barely make 265. Right. And it's like, all right, well, I'm what, 215 on a good day? You know, maybe I could build myself up to the 235, 225. That's entirely on him. For sure. Hey, for sure. But at the same time, it's like, I'm okay with it. Like, let's just see what you can pull out here. And so I want to see if that fight happens this year, if we need to see a John Jones versus a, I don't know who you can try and trot out there. Um, you know, I've, I think I saw Aspinall was one that they're going to try and uh, wait for because, you know, he's an up and coming, you know, big, big time heavyweight as well guy, but he got injured in his, his last big kind of fight leading into maybe a potential title fight. So uh, let's see if maybe he waits a bit more. So those are kind of the big things I'm looking at in 2023. And also I've said also, I think three times, but <laughs> getting out of the apex is another one, right? We've seen the pay-per-views get out of the apex, but you know, I, I am curious. So that's to, their performance center down in Vegas yeah. where they've been having a lot of these non-pay-per-view fights. They're the TV Saturday night, you know, on TSN, on ESPN fights just in their, in their gym down in Vegas in front of no crowd. Yeah. And, and very, like, it's just, I'm, I'm cool to see the fight nights start to take like a tour again and and we we just saw it down in Florida here. Orlando. Two weeks ago. And that was big. And it, it, it is because it forces them to put on better cards. If you're going to try exactly. and sell tickets, you better have some good names on these free shows. Whereas if you're just doing it in your gym and you're just going to let people watch for free on TV, well then whatever, they can kind of throw whatever they want at you. But no, if you want to sell tickets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you better put on a good card. And we saw that in Orlando two weeks ago. It was a very good card. Mm-hmm. No, so, so I'm uh, I'm uh, really excited to see that as the UFC go back on the road, get to some more ventures. Hopefully Canadian at some point, I, I think I saw Ian Bronze that are talking with Dana White that it's not in the first quarter. So yeah. maybe in the you know later end of 2023, we see a couple cards come back to Canada, whether it be, I'm assuming it'll be Toronto or a Vancouver or a Montreal if, yeah. if it is going to happen, but um, it'd be nice to, you know, see them. UFC cards just kind of travel around to different areas rather than just the, the apex with a, you know, I don't know, Travis Barker and a couple of these usual, actually I got no diss about Travis Barker, <laughs> but I figured I'd throw his name out there because we started the show with Blink-182. That's right. So we get so, in with it. Uh, last thing for you then. Yes or no only in 2023, does Conor McGregor fight in the octagon? Ooh. <laughs> I'm going to say no. I think that's where I'm at too. I think this guy's just sort of like, you know, the last time we saw him was with a shattered leg after Poirier. Yeah. Check. Like I, I just, 
and look, I love Conor McGregor when he was Conor of McGregor. Course, when he was the real. He was hungry. He was young. He was this guy that came from nothing. He's on the mic. He's a killer in the octagon. Before he sold out a hundred mil to uh, Floyd Mayweather and basically became selling Irish whiskey. Yeah, he he's a, punching guys in a bar. He's got his Lamborghini yacht boat. He's, he's got a luggage carts at buses. Yeah, <laughs> like he kind of just became a sideshow more than anything. Yep. But but that's why I ask because he's still good for business. Whether he's good for fighting is a whole other question. But he's good for business. And I want I want to believe because if he fights, I want to see him in the octagon. I want to see him fighting, and I want to see him back to what it was. Because oh, when he's not, not when he's not fighting, no, I know, and that's the problem. And like, so I don't know for Conor McGregor. I think he likes the idea of being in the, his name in the fights, and yeah. he's constantly it's getting attention. into it. On yeah, it's like Cejudo right now. Like he's constantly out there. Like he retired, but you know his money. But then he's chirping O'Malley and all these other guys, and he wants to fight. I'll beat Aljamain Sterling. Blah 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 blah. It's like shut the hell up or get the hell back in the pool and fight. Yeah. That's my kind of way it is. And for Mayweather, I don't not Mayweather. Sorry for McGregor. I just, I don't know if he truly wants to get back on the, in the octagon. Either. And I, I think, think if he does, it. he wants to pick who, but I, my loophole in this answer is I believe he fights, not in the UFC though. I think he, he picks Jake up. Jake Paul? I think he picks up one of those Jake Paul outside the octagons, Conor McGregor fights and. I could see a Colby Covington or, you know, someone like that where you're not necessarily near the title right now. But they're both guys who can talk yeah. and sell a fight and make some money. And the UFC can throw that out there as a main event. I think I've seen Masvidal as well. Masvidal would be the other one right there. Masvidal would be, I think, the fight to get him in yeah. before a, a Covington because I think Masvidal is that guy that's kind of falling down big I'm, time. I'm with you there. It's one of those two, and it's probably Masvidal. And you just run it out there because you can. Mm-hmm. They're big names. They can sell a fight. They can chirp each other to death. And, and it doesn't hurt your rankings in any division. It's a total thing onto itself. Yeah. Right. And so if I, if I lean towards it, I'd say he doesn't fight in the UFC this year because I still think he's got to get healthy from it. And he's, I think he's still a couple months away. I think he's got to be six months in the pool before he can even fight. Yeah. So he hasn't entered the pool. Yep. Conor McGregor's still hanging out. So no matter what, we're not going to see him any time before July. June, yeah. You know? So then once he's in there, he's got to find a fight and, who knows where half of the, like, it, look what happened in one year, right? Yep. You go back through the year. I, I love doing it. I haven't done it yet, but just you look at all the fights and who would have saw Alex Perea coming in and, you know, knocking out Adesanya and who would have saw Leon Edwards with a, a kick. <laughs> There's so much that can happen in the UFC. I love the sport because it's so fun and so cool to watch how in the snap of a finger, someone could win the fight. And I love it. it. It can go from being dominated. Changes everything. Uh, on, everything. It's, on a dime, man. It's so, and like, other than the scorecards and judges, it's <sighs> so unpredictable. Every fight, and every sport is, I get it, but it just, fighting has that aspect to it where it's, you, you can be a, such an underdog and you just have that one punch and it's like, it's over. You one slip up and here's a sub and this guy gets choked out. It's it's so big. So for the UFC, I don't know where we're going to be come June, July, where Conor McGregor is going to be, but I have a hard time believing he's going to find a fight in 2023 right. that he finds comfortable for himself with his new body weight. I feel like there's going to be something there for him outside the octagon that he's going to just jump at. Maybe eventually, maybe he gets in there at the end of the, like 2023, but I'm not feeling it. And I, I, and I used to like him. So, Hey, yeah. it took a lot for me to admit that <laughs> it hurt me, buddy. <laughs> Bundy, you're one of those guys who is, uh, who's taken a pile of at bats for us this year. Uh, stepped in a ton, 
that pigeon creech just kind of fallen off the map completely. <laughs> Who? Yeah, exactly. Uh, he was going to be in here this week. Schedules change. Things happen. It is what it is. But uh, Bunda does not miss. Bunda shows up, and we appreciate that, man. You've been on a pile of times this year. As we head into the holiday season, want to say thank you for everything you brought to the show, all the times you've jumped in, man. It's been awesome, and uh, appreciate everything you've brought to the table. Hey, well, you know, the fans out there are still mad at you for bringing up a, <laughs> a lockout in the <laughs> NHL. Uh, but no, thanks for always having me on, and it's something where, you know, it's fun to do with you and talk fights and sports and have a beer. It, I, You know, I like beer. I'm always uh, <laughs> I'm always down to make time for you, Maddie, and have some fun uh, shooting the breeze sports-wise, Blink-182-wise. Yeah. Where, you know what's we're We'll happening. figure out our uh, when we were young. I was about to say, <laughs> we got a big 2023 because we got to make it to when we were young next, uh, I think is it August, October? September, so, uh, October, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Later, twenty twenty three. Maybe we'll, we might be getting there before Conor McGregor gets back in the octagon. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah and, which and, happens first. Yeah. yeah, and one of our our friends, he's on the show every once in a while. I I, I know you uh you know you've had him on a bunch in the past, and he comes here a lot. But shout out to you know Steve Lloyd who lost his father. Yeah, you know it's uh, he's had a tough time last little bit, and you know it's it's tough to him. Uh, great dude. For, he's, you know. he's brought so much to this show over the years as well. And a guy just even off the mic, who's always open to mm-hmm. give advice or, or chat or whatever, just had beers with him mm-hmm. and, uh, and Mendez there a week or two before all this happened. So absolutely, uh, glad you brought that up. Love to our buddy, Steve Lloyd, who, mm-hmm. and it's been a rough go with him at an awful time of year to be going through it. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So then again, just wanted to say that about him and I don't know who Graham Creech is, but, uh, cheers, Maddie, for always having me on and, uh, wanting me to come back regardless of the fans. We'll wind this one down here. Uh, hope you have an awesome holiday, man. We'll, uh, we'll have you back in here early in 2023 because there's going to be a lot going on, especially in the fight game, but, uh, all the best to you and your family, uh, around, uh, around Christmas time and, uh, we'll get out of here. That's episode 1044. We'll wind this one down here. For Steve Bundo, my name's Matt Robinson. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We will catch you all next time.